answer a quick text from the president. He is on fire today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I told him we're having burgers tonight. We usually have chicken. We have burgers tonight. Whew, what a day. Whatever it takes to make you feel better. Which part? Hmm. It's been texting the president. He's really, I don't think you appreciate how busy he is. The fact that he even keeps touch at all, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Don't you think it's kind of amazing? I mean, with his busy schedule, he finds time to stay in touch with me. I crossed some kind of threshold where now my follow group has given up on direct commentary. So yeah. very often now I have to sort of read read the tea leaves or whatever to see try to figure out what it is that they're talking about three degrees separated because no one will actually retweet or reply to something that connects back directly to something that happened. Right. And it's I don't, fraught, fraught times. Know, I don't follow the president. So I have, so I just have to, I have to kind of figure out like what happened today that mm-hmm. people are angry about. Yeah. He's, um, I'm trying to, you know, keep him calm. He's pretty worried about, um, uh, what he calls, let me check. He calls it uh, fake fake news. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. very concerned about that today. You're back on the avatar game too. You changed your Skype avatar. Yeah, I did. You know, I can't quit you. Even though I know you criticize and you sharpen me like a knife. I mm-hmm. uh, A knife that you bite between your teeth. <laughs> we got up to Anyang tonight. <laughs> You're Anyang. watching that? Yeah. So good. The luckily the part the parts of it that are inappropriate are so wildly inappropriate that she has no idea why they're inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Keep telling yourself that. Why are all these men with whips and leather going into a bar? They're mm-hmm. funny. They're funny. <laughs> she adopts a Korean boy to make Buster jealous. It's so funny. Did you watch that show when it was on? I think I did. I think I watched like at the very least the first season, most of, and yeah. on and off. And that's the, the strongest one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ironically enough, when they had that the crazy arc with Charlize Theron, whom I love, as you know, uh, it was kind of a rough patch. I forget that she was on there. I don't think I ever knew that. I must have. When was that? Was that season two? <sighs> I guess. What it was that arc with the like, it's kind of like wacky, like James Bond, Austin Powers ish angle. There's like spy stuff, and she was looking. Mm. I think she was an English spy. Yeah, I never got the, all that into it, but I, I, I watched some. The of it. first season is very. This is one of those John Syracuse type programs where like, and I said this to, to, to the person in my house who should not be watching this. You need to really watch this. There's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot to read very quickly in this show and we will be pausing. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the best way to do it really. Pause and have your dad explain things. Well, you know, if it's a callback, I don't want her to be unarmed. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, she got a shot. She got a shot. She's handling it okay. As you saw in the video. So we got burgers and I got her some Shopkins. Pretty sweet Shopkins. You get Shopkins for getting a shot? It's a big deal. A shot to the arm. You're to blame. Hmm. <laughs> Do it. Oh, sorry. Uh, Tony Sindelar. Reference acknowledged. Thank you. That's fine. That was way after I was already done with Bon Jovi. I'm more of a... Whoa, whoa, whoa. You were done with... What, what did you consume of them to be done by that time well i feel like i remember well, here's what i remember john's butt in a pair of jeans once and that's it i'm done with them oh you're ruined <laughs> after that well what i loved 
was Runaway and uh, She Don't Know Me. That, that's mm. my jam. I've been in bands mm. that did cover She Don't Know Me because it's such a good song. Um, and then I want to say 1987, he was uh, riding on a steel horse with a six string by his side. And I was like, this, this is so played. And of course, <laughs> I was into R.E.M. pretty heavily by that point. So I was that guy. I believe you you. So the the I like early REM is a cliche, but it's definitely a thing. But you're you're going. You know what? I like early Bon Jovi too. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? <laughs> Before I'm, they sold out. <laughs> well, I'm definitely their early stuff guy. Def Leppard. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of ACDC up until like the early '80s. I like almost all the Ramones. No, but generally I like the earlier stuff better. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Isn't there a new U2 record? Uh, probably. I know a single was circulating recently, and they did a video a video for the single. Speaking of our our friend, the president. Mm-hmm. So the the song is the song. What the song is, but the video is basically a you know like the song is playing, and they're sometimes singing and playing parts of it in the video. But the 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 actual video presentation essentially says we don't like the president of the United States. This the whole video is just yeah. that. And it's not really on topic for the song as far as I can tell, but they said, you know, we're making a video and that's what, that's what the message is going to be. It's going to be a giant middle finger yeah. to Donald Trump, which is fine, I guess, but, you know, whatever. Also, they look really old. I feel bad for them. At least the Edge has been rocking the hat for a while. Yeah, but like, uh, but Bono's face. Oh, yeah. Is, uh, Looks like a catcher's mitt. He's, he's become, <laughs> oh, I don't know, this... You're gonna have to do this for me. You have to, you have to do, do my favorite bits. Do that thing that I love. Um, Don't look at me. I'm hideous. <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, the you were talking on one of your other programs about the lady at the CVS or Walgreens or whatever mm-hmm. behind the counter. Oh yeah. And how? She, I like right, your hair. Right, 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 right. Before you got to the explanation, you just gave the preface. Before you got into, oh, she changes her look a lot, and so on and so forth. What I thought you were going to say is you, you started the conversation like the girl behind the counter. Is it Walgreens? I want to get it right. Is it Walgreens or CVS? Bodega. Bodega. The, 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 all right. The, the bodega the, lady. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. The lady behind the counter at the bodega. And I just, I so wanted the next line out of your mouth to be, and she's got the nose ring. <laughs> Because you were doing the old, you were doing the old man thing. It's like, on the same block. <laughs> you, it's on the same block. That's so funny. You were talking about how you've gone old and the culture <laughs> passed you by, and you're about to, you're about to say that the, the, the woman behind the counter at the bodega, <laughs> she's got the nose ring. Do you, do you sometimes feel them coming? <sighs> do you anyway. feel denied? It was like you didn't get your no no. Like, did you feel denied on that one? I, I mean, it could have gone either way because I didn't know I, the person behind the counter was not uh, a young lady with a nose ring. So you weren't yeah. going in that direction. I didn't know that at that point. Um, but anyway, <laughs> this gets back to Bono and that he's starting to look like. Like a 60 year old woman who's trying it, some stuff out. No, like an, like an old leprechaun. Like, oh, like, like the man, like someone who's upset about their pine furniture. Like, I don't know <laughs> if that guy was old or not. Yeah, he was. He, yeah. He looks like. Now he's the guy who's like in the corner of the pub in the, in the Irish pub with a pipe in his mouth. Yeah. Right? Oh, right. And sure. I don't know if I'm going to say Ketra's myth, but like he he looks very old. Everyone else looks okay, I think. Yeah, but oh, 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 geez. Okay. Yeah, he kind of looks like Brian Cranston in a tanning bed times Robin Williams plus sun damage. And he's all he's a, he's a small man, right? But he's, I mean, good, but he's got he's got good bones. That helps. 
Yeah, he is, but he's he's leprechauning a little bit, is what I'm gonna say. He's got a very Robin Williams kind of face, I think. Yeah, but what is it with these glasses? Falling. What it's, does he have a condition? I don't want to be got, unkind. He's, it's his it's his thing. I mean, it's good. It hides your old eyes, right? Mm. <laughs> I should do that. You, I should wear orange you, goggles. You can't hide your old eyes. Mm-mm. Smiles a thin disguise. That's a very unconventional song in the way that it's structured. Did you know that? Uh, I did not know that. What's unconventional about it? It's very unusual. It um, has, I think as many as like five verses before they it ever all, does the course. They all rhyme at the same rhyme? I, I don't talk about the Eagles, but I kind of like the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I don't hate the Eagles. Like it's such a hip, like big Lebowski fan thing to hate the Eagles, but I actually like the Eagles a lot. I've seen their Netflix documentaries several times. As you know. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's not about I can't, bl- I can't believe you've gone through the Vietnam multiple times. I'm only, I just think I just crossed the halfway, the halfway point uh, for for the Vietnam uh, PBS uh, miniseries, Ken Burns, uh, Vietnam. Yeah. I recommend it uh, about more than halfway through it. Apparently you've watched it twice. No, no, no. I, I misspoke. I watched that. There's two episodes. I've seen probably four episodes because I jumped around. <laughs> Uh, but there are a couple episodes I've watched twice. The, um, I think nine is the one I mentioned. The, the, pro- the protest one. Well, the, yeah, the one with the protests and Kent State, I think that's also the one with Me Lai Massacre in it, which was just, I mean, you hear Me Lai Massacre and you know it's bad, but it was really, really bad. I didn't realize it was that, that bad. I, I, not to say I'm not trying to like quantify or remove or add zeros to say importance, but like I didn't realize what a utter massacre it was. Mm, it's right in the name. I should I should have read. I only read the first half. Mm. Um, but I feel a little bit of Spielberg effect with it, which does not mean I, I'm not immune to it, but I am aware they got a POV, and I think they would like to act like they don't have a POV, but their POV kind of works for me. I, yeah. I I stand by. We've I've said this with my other with my other Dubai Friday co-host uh, Matt with Max especially. I think you absolutely cannot go wrong watching that first episode. There is so much information density. I consider myself a relatively learned person, and there was so much I did not know, and I just sat there with my jaw dropped. Like I I did not know anything about Ho Chi Minh. I mean, it's not like I'm going to get a poster of the guy, but you get a real different idea from that than you get from the years of, you know, what you hear about the North Vietnamese. You, yeah. So you watch them in order, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, so the first episode does what a lot of first episodes of miniseries do. They want to like give you a taste in, in the opening bits of all the stuff they're going to show you in the rest of the series. And I wish they didn't do that. Like I have the attention span to say, don't show me that stuff. You know, just I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it. Right. But mm-hmm. it's fine. And it's it's nice. I like the miniseries format because it 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 kind of reminds me the only events that I have in my own life that match up even a little bit with this is the feeling I had uh, driving to work and listening to NPR in the run up to the Iraq war, right? The, the, the W, you know? Yeah. And I would, I would listen to NPR and every day I would be in the car and I'd be like, what, what is he doing? Like, like don't like a slow motion disaster. Like every day it would be like, well, but surely they'll see that this is a bad idea. And then every day, what could, he, just, what could he be? What could he know that we don't? Because he just this seems to be a cascading pile of really unnecessarily bad decisions. Right, just a really slow moving disaster where it just seems like. And so I think this Vietnam series is nice of just like the U.S. involvement builds so slowly, and at every point you're like, this is a terrible idea. And obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but I remember yeah. 
listening to NPR and the run up to the Arkmore in disbelief, like, yeah. okay, fine, maybe, they, but surely not. And then the next day, they would go the next step. It's like, what? What are you doing? What? Right. <laughs> like, and so here you're watching the Vietnam thing. You're like, it's so clear that like everybody involved knew it was a terrible idea. I was like, oh, you know, what can you do? <laughs> it's like, stop. Turn back. There's so many things that, how much you know, the term feel like a version of confirmation bias where you're looking for evidence to support the thing that, that you want to. Uh, not even that thing. They were so resigned to the fact like, well, this is a loser, this has to happen. But, but this is our loser. And so what are you going right. to do? Right. Uh, you know, even ignoring the like uh, the political things of setting things aside for election timing and stuff like that, even afterwards, it's just like, you know, well, like they would all talk and all discuss and all agree that this is terrible and we shouldn't do it. But then all say, yep, we got to do this. Right. Yep. Right. right. Yep. Agreed. All right. Anyway, adjourned. It's like, no, you don't. Please stop. That really, I know you don't need another podcast at this point, but um, there's a podcast called LBJ's War. It's, I think, also a rough six, ten part series on uh, really uh, culling from LBJ's phone recordings from the period. And it's it's that in spades. You just you, He does not want to be in this. He's been told by everybody except a couple, especially bellicose figures, that, you know, this is a really, really bad idea. And he was such a smart politician. I mean, like, he was not a perfect man, but he was a very good, intelligent, savvy, aggressive, um, ego-assertive politician. So the way that he let himself get more and more entangled, and then you get McNamara and um, George Bundy, like, feeding him all this this saber-rattling, and it's just, it's so depressing. Because it's it's like at any point, not at any point you could walk away. It's never going to be easy. But then you're, you know, spoilers, but you run up to about 1973 and all of a sudden you're like, what are we going to do? Oh, what, or have you gotten to, so you got to nine, right? You, you know, you no, got the I'm part not, with, I'm not up to, I'm not up to that. I think I'm around seven or eight. Oh, I got a bone to pick with Henry Kissinger. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like you expect some, surely this is the work of some comically evil people, but even like McNamara and stuff, just general Mm-hmm. Uh, detachment and mild incompetence, but mostly they were trying to do what they thought was best. They were just wrong about it, and like they and they couldn't bring themselves to make the it was you know sunk cost fallacy of just well you know they they say yeah. they want more let's try this let's put more bodies in there and it's just no one had any idea of what it was like the people who did know what it was like no one wanted to listen to them right. it's such a and that, that's why it's a slow moving disaster it's like it takes so long for even the Americans to be quote unquote in it secretly at first and then uh you know really and the whole way you're watching like, what, what are you doing Stop. yeah and like, could there be any more profound and difficult example of some cost fallacy than saying well we've lost all these lives all these all these you know what, what's that terrible term you know uh you know men and treasure or whatever blood and treasure whatever mm-hmm. that dumb language is we've already blown all this money and and all these people have lost limbs and died and it would be a disservice to the people who died to not stay in this. We can't say that we can't let them have died for nothing. So we got to throw more people into this wood chipper. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. but you know, uh, I think it's well done. I would, I would recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's less flashy than, it sounds weird, but less flashy than like civil war maybe. Yeah, well, civil. I mean, the Civil War was, I think, pretty magical. Like, that's probably my favorite. I really, I some people hate baseball. I like baseball. I like jazz, but I especially love Civil War. I still go back and watch. I mean, I find it. I find that very, very moving. I think it helps, uh, ironically, for the for the drama and the entertainment value um, when you don't have much or any actual people to talk to. So mm-hmm. it's all about reenactments and 
descriptions and stuff you know what i mean yeah uh whereas the, in the vietnam one you got plenty of people who are going to be on camera and talking which is much more true to life but they those people aren't going to fit into any sort of narrative that you have they're gonna they're gonna say what they want to say and feel how they want to feel and you have to present that as is even if it doesn't make for you know nice little episodes so i guess you know, when you get farther away from it history can become gauzy and mm-hmm probably less uh less accurate but more dramatic in terms of and they had you know they had to do that you know. they're doing the Ken Burns effects on the photos and they had you know Sam wasn't Sam Sam Waterston was Lincoln but, yeah, but the, lots of lots of letters from people to other people right, read yeah. dramatically by actors but you know what you described though as you don't like when they did this in the Vietnam War but I love the way I think it's Peter Coyote in that one too the, I love the setup in the first episode where they're just saying the name of this person who they are and like just all, you know, and, and all at all different levels and different places and just like, bam, 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 lightning little anecdotes about these people. And, and one bit of that storytelling that now we know about and we're watching for, but I think it's still great. They do. I think they do this very well in Vietnam. And some of this you haven't seen yet. You meet somebody, you're seeing them interviewed for an hour and a half at a time for six, seven, eight episodes. You don't find out like what their importance to the pivotal story they're telling is. You, there's people you're going to find out about in the protest episode. You don't know why they've been talking to that person the whole time. And you go, oh, no spoilers, but oh, that's this person who had this profound experience. Oh, this is that, this is that guy who was a POW for a long time and his wife started this whole, you know, pro, pro MIA. I see them building up to that with, and no spoilers, don't tell me, but like the guy who wanted to enlist so bad that he was like, I'm going to move out of home and run away from home. If you don't let me enlist. And his mom's like, okay, come home. We'll let you enlist. Even though you're 17, you know, that's, you know, those things are going somewhere, right? Right. Well, they haven't, we haven't talked to that guy. So you have like four episodes of this guy begging to go to the war and he's in the war. And you're like, this guy's dead. He's got to be dead. Cause we haven't seen any interviews with them. And you see his mother almost break down several times. And it's just like, normally you get that story one episode. Now, I think across like four episodes, you're hearing this guy's story and you never hear from the guy. And it's like, he's, he is a goner. And his sister's talking to you and everything. And then they'll do it, but they'll also then do a thing where like, like I said, there's somebody who you think is just this character on background or, you know, providing color and specificity to it. And then bam, they cut to a photo of that guy at 18. And it's just mm. like, oh, it's just such a stunner. Because like you're sitting here looking at this 70 year old guy. Right. And it's, it's really, I think they're very good at that. I like the music. Yeah, not too, uh, not too on the nose. Yeah, no, could, fort- no you, fortunate you could... son, which was good. They only had one CCR song, and it wasn't fortunate son. So there you go. Recommend that everyone check out uh, another shameful chapter in American history. We're living through one now. Relive the past ones too. I went full on back of a truck for this one, but if you're an honest, good person and you don't have uh, regular TV, I'm pretty sure the app. Last time I checked in on the PBS app, it was before they had aired. And I think they had at least two different versions. They had one that it had been like, I think there's one that was not totally graphic or maybe they bleeped the language a little bit. They did kind of a This American Life on it. But I mean, I would, I would encourage people who, to, I'm, most of you have probably seen it at this point, but yeah, at least go check out the PBS app on um, Apple TV or what have you and uh, go check it out. And, and, and don't miss the, once you have watched it, um, go back and watch the preview where they tell you about the making of it, especially how they made the music, because it's a pretty great story. Yeah, that's depressing. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Clean My Mac 3 from MacPaw. You can learn more about Clean My Mac 3 right now by visiting mm-hmm, CleanMyMac.com. 
macos.com. It's that time of year again. Time for the macOS upgrade season. One of the most important things you should do before upgrading to macOS High Sierra is to make sure your Mac is not stuffed with unnecessary files. Unnecessary files are unnecessary. Get rid of them. Get them out of here. That's what Clean My Mac 3 is all about. In just a few clicks, you'll scan your whole system and remove all the clutter, including system junk, old caches, app leftovers, hidden files, and so much more. Then your Mac can run High Sierra like a dream, making it clear why Clean My Mac 3 should be a part of your toolkit. Clean My Mac 3 is incredibly easy to use. Everything is removed safely and easily, giving you more space, more speed, and a way to monitor the health of your system. Clean My Mac 3 is available as a standalone purchase or via set app, which includes more than 95 other great apps as part of a subscription. So you can find out more today. You just go to cleanmymac.com or you can also go to setapp.com. You go on in there, you check it out. Our thanks to MacPaw for the support of Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, herd this anymore, John. I'm just gonna roll with the punches. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let you lead. We're just gonna. I realize I've been cracking the whip, and I didn't mean to do that. Let's mm-hmm. uh, what do we have in uh, follow up. This is distant follow up, but I think you should, you should uh, sort of. Uh, well, can we start at the beginning? I don't. Uh, now I'm John, and you're Marco. What's going on here? Are you going to go through these in no, order? I'm- yeah. Uh, all right. When you want to talk about the, the, the truly an ordinary time now, we can do that. I we're think it's back in ordinary thing. time. We have made adjustments and we're no mm-hmm. longer going to be three or more weeks out on recording. You, you won't know that until this comes out in, in <laughs> about two, two weeks from now. But I just want to let you know the wraparounds are over for now. And we're back on ordinary time. Muzzle tov. That's all I want to say about that. Because we were both confused. We both got confused. Well, yeah, about we, it. we got messed up somewhere in the summer. We were off by one. Now we've readjusted. Now mm-hmm. we're, it, everything should be fine until it gets all gets messed up again for the holidays. You always say that's the two hardest things, right? What? Oh, naming and off by one errors. Is that right? Mm, you, you blew that joke, but yeah. Okay. We'll fix it in post. Dig, dug, dig, dug. We have breaking news. Important that's breaking not for news. This show. You can't do that on this show. What do you think you're doing? <laughs> what? You don't think the millennials you, you like it? Dig, dug out of here. The mill- <laughs> You think the millenniums aren't going to like it? Uh, so I'm very happy to say you're the one who told you did this. You're the one who told me about this. I'm very happy and excited to say I, I opened my, uh, what, text one morning? And you let me know that the Nest family of IQ Cam products, the IQ Cam family of Nest Cam products, now uh, they announced that they would soon be returning image rotation in reintroducing it into the new IQ cam model that I bitched about on Amazon with an excellent, very highly rated review. <laughs> and then I thought, Oh, that's good. Announcements are nice, but then lickety split within a couple of days, they, uh, they had it going on. And I, and I went on Twitter and I thanked them because you know how I get those canned thanks I'm always doing. Yeah. Yeah. And also don't forget that they also said they addressed one of your other concerns, but who knows how well, but uh, your other concern was sometimes it thinks it sees a face, but it, oh, that was Marco's concern. Wasn't it? Did you have the face, the false faces? Um, I get, no, I don't have that. I have something else, but. All right. Well, anyway, that was Marco's concern is that the camera, yeah, there were, he had there were like one of these. Things, would, weren't there three things they did? Yeah. Well, he, he, it would think it saw faces. It has face detection. And right. And now you can say that's not a face. That, no way is that a face. Right. And so now supposedly they've improved that as well. But yeah, yeah. And you get your image rotation. So there you go. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a nest aware. Exciting news. Okay. So we got image rotation, even more accurate person alerts. And full duplex audio. I have no intention of using that, but it's nice that they put it in there. That's nice. Mm-hmm. So you can do like, well, it's not even a walkie talkie. I guess it's a full on phone now. Um, so yeah, I reinstalled it. 
uh, I'm going to need to go ahead and do full-on screw job uh, mounting with it. The 3M mounting strips were great for about four days before it just fell down with a clatter. So I got some new drill bits, and I got my, uh, my B&D. I'm going to get in there and zzz, fix it up. But it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's Okay, so here's my bitch. Uh, so first of all, I just want to say thank you very much to the Nest family of Cam IQ pro- product mm, family. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad they did that. I think they did the right thing. And uh, in the fullness of time, once I've used this for a while, I will very likely go back and update my review. But, uh, okay, so you let it run. I don't know how you did this. If, I, if you're new to the IQ fam of Nest, Nest Cam family IQ products, you're probably going to be like really sitting on familiar faces. And like maybe even if you're like me, like test it out. Like, hey, it's me. Do you notice it's me? Test it on the mailman, et cetera. Uh, two things. Uh, first of all, the images it captures are not good, maybe because ours is going through glass. But more importantly, uh, I've got three groups of all of the major people in our house. Do you get this? Do you, is it correctly putting people under the same name? I've got, I've got three, three wife, three daughter, three me at this point. And what it captures goes into one of those piles somewhat randomly. How do you determine that you have three of them? Because it just says, I'm, I see a person that you, I know, and I see a person that I don't know. And in the early on, it would ask me, do you know this person? And I would say yes for the members of my family. But it never asked me that anymore because those are the only people who are ever in my kitchen. <laughs> okay. I'll send you a screen grab. It's basically, it, it, I was testing it on me where I would like, like a real creepy guy. I walk up and I look right in the camera and I thought, oh, this is good. You're the man of a thousand faces, though. <laughs> you live in the woods. Yeah. And uh, so, but over, uh, whatever, like a week or so, it kept collecting these, but it was not putting them under the name of that person. And there was, you can, you can, you can only delete faces. You can't combine them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right, I, I don't even know the face screen you're getting at. I think I've never gone to the screen to see its catalog of faces. Okay. Sending it. Clicking. I spent a while with photos this past weekend, coalescing faces and messing with it and trying to do all that business. That's, uh, wait, did you talk about this on, yeah, you talked about this on ATP, right? No, wait, who talked no. about this? Was it Jason? It was Jason and Mike, probably. It's frustrating. It's, it's weird. I, I get, theoretically, what the security issue is of like, oh, we're just handshaking on this means this, but I wish it would just fully sync. It's crazy to me that it doesn't fully sync. I'm not putting this well. So you've identified some faces on your Mac. You've identified some and maybe even some of the same faces on your iPad and then also on your iPhone. Up until iOS 11, those did not talk to each other by design, supposedly, as they don't have them talk to each other. And now you get 11, your phone gets very hot right under the camera uh, lens and it chunks and chunks and chunks and chunks. And then eventually some of them match up, but it's not the same key photo because you didn't identify it only handshakes on the ones you've identified in more than one place. Is that right? No, it's just that anything that you have manually said, this is that person. That's what it syncs. It doesn't need to be in more than one place. On that device. Well, yeah, but if, no matter where you are, I think the only place you can confirm faces is on the Mac, right? No. Aha, well, this answers the question. Because I've done it on four different devices, and the data is different on each one. I think, so if you're doing it exclusively or almost exclusively on your Mac, then that makes sense. If that's that's if the, that's the truth, then I guess it's populating but out all, to the other. But all it would be syncing is just those specific things that I answered. It's not going to sync all the other choices that it derives from those from that data. Okay. So hmm. you know you have to if you were if you only confirm seven pictures, 
those seven confirmations would be the only information that's shared. And based on those seven confirmations, the Mac version of photos may try to identify a hundred other things. And the iOS version may try to identify a hundred other things as well. And they could get different answers, but it's just the right. seven that syncs. And I don't think there's any place where you can say, please show me all the pictures of person X, but only the ones that I have actually manually confirmed. Cause there's no reason you would ever see that. You can't, you can't tell which ones you manually confirm. I'll tell you what's, what's lacking even more than that. I don't think there's a way to unidentify somebody. I mean, for some reason, I might've said this on Slack for some reason, it thinks lots of different people are Adam Lissagor. Yeah, yeah, but you, uh, you, they told you just right click and say this is not Adam Lissagor. Adam Lissagor is not in this picture. It's under the right click menu mm, and you're the people thing. I don't know about I that. Do, I do it all the time because it gets me confused with relatives and you know babies confused with other babies and stuff. Yeah. All right, I'll try. I'm not so sure. These are cute, cute pictures of your family here, and I see what your problem is with the, with the duplicates. I'm not quite sure what it's on about there, but yeah, yeah. You, you do have a lot of different looks. I really do. You can see I got I got hair, glasses, hat, no hat, and then very <laughs> varying levels of creepiness. Mm-hmm. Is, that, <laughs> look, is that top right one actually your wife with the sunglasses? Maybe. Yeah, it is. I can't tell. It's like she's incognito there. Is the hair is like pulled back and it's like all backlit and you got the big glasses on? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's a woman of mystery. Yeah. Yeah. She's in Jason Bourne mode there. <laughs> It's a cute picture of your daughter, the, the, the first one. Isn't that cute? Uh, yeah. She's got a little, little hand uh, on her face. Yeah. Little Hannah Anderson jammies. Yeah. And yeah, then, my neighbors. And then, yeah. Okay. That's the, yeah, the D. D is a neighbor, and P, who's not showing up, is also a neighbor. Yeah, that's a good picture. I decided to let them in. Yeah, she's, she's looking at her phone while she's walking the dog. He's a good boy. Uh, so anyway, uh, you th- let me ask you this. Do you think I should go in and update my review? Well, uh, yeah, you got you got at the very least you you have to Rabbi Christofsky, get rid of, get is rid it of the right, part where you say right for me to do that. Yeah, of course, because if someone buys it now, they get image rotation. So you can't have a review that says this thing is bad because it doesn't have image rotation. It does have image rotation. Ugh, it's a monkey so, on my back. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Now I feel like uh, I I don't usually leave reviews for things, so now I feel like I have to market this up a little bit and really like put it through its paces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyway, I got I got some new drill bits. So speaking of uh, reviews, at the top of our document here, we have something that you've pasted and it looks like a screenshot from Instacart. And I'm not, not quite sure where you put that there. That you want to explain that? refers to topic B. That's the email you get. I, I don't do star reviews unless I'm compelled to, usually. But if I do have a good experience, I take a moment. And I say, uh, you know, Jeremy was very polite and he was very attentive and nice and he called me and was smart about doing basic maths to figure out what could replace this thing that i want he did not assume that you can replace the number four coffee filter with a number two coffee filter because you can't do that that it's not a thing but jeremy knew that five stars for jeremy here's a remark thank you very much you're gonna make such a good senior citizen do you realize i that? already do john I like really you're do. so close already like what kind of person leaves reviews for the nice boy who brought them their coffee? Old people. What kind of person leaves angry reviews and, and you know, takes their soup back at the delt? Like, you are, you're right there. <laughs> Marine biologist. That's right. <laughs> See who's um, angry I that think day, it's my a, friend. I think it's a nice thing to do, especially if they recognize you from your blog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. It's a very nice thing to do. But that's the email. So what you're seeing, we should save this for the topic. But that is the email that I receive when I have this, this stupidity to leave a five-star review for someone. Thank you for taking the time to leave a five-star review. We're glad to hear your order was the cream of the crop. 
We don't proactively, new paragraph, we don't proactively monitor comments on five-star reviews, but if there is anything that we miss, please let us know by replying to this email. So I get home, I get homework when I, when I give them five stars. I'm not entirely sure how this is, uh, factors into the, the topic that's lower down on the document. But automation, John. Pers- automation. Right, but, right, but see, what I think this, this, this communication is telling you is you took the time to say something nice about Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Jeremy's never going to see that and we're never going to see that. So stop doing that. That's what this message says to me. Really? We don't, proact- we don't proactively monitor comments on five-star reviews. Basically, if it's five stars, they don't want to dig any deeper and say, why is it five you stars? You just blew is my Jer- mind. Is That's Jeremy really... good? That's what it's trying to say. They, like, only, want, they only care about the bad reviews is what you're saying. Right. Like the five-star ones, yes, great. It's filed away and Jeremy gets his rating increase because of the five. But you spent the time to write a paragraph or three sentences and no one is ever going to read them. Jeremy's not going to see it and they're not going to see it because they do not proactively monitor comments on five-star reviews. That's it's my a translation. Hint. It's really a hint. So it's saying, next time, just click the five stars. Don't yeah. write something nice about Jeremy. Wow. That's that's my interpretation. I don't know. Next time Jeremy shows up, say, hey, I wrote something nice about you. Do you see that? Because then you truly will be an old person. Because you'll, you'll say, look, I got this email. And you'll be holding your phone up to the person. And they'll be like, okay, 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 Mr. No, Man. No, I'm not obsessed with it. I was just putting it in there, as, <laughs> uh, as you say, as a for instance. Yeah. I thought it would be an illustrative uh, a diagram that could lead to some stimulating discussion. I didn't know I was going to get a kind of Spanish Inquisition. I, uh, I'm trying to think of other ones I've gotten. Because if I do give a two-star, and I hate giving a two-star... Or, you know, I don't I hate getting any stars. It's like, okay, you did it. Nothing blew up. No one died. Yes, it's more of pass fail in a lot of cases. And if, if it's a fail, I will usually go in and say, hey, dingalings, like you brought me the wrong person's food and you didn't give me my food or what have you. So you're already you're spoiling my topic. You're jumping ahead. No, we can, we can jump right to it. I think it's fine to reorder these. Okay, so I just, okay, all I wanted to say was, did you see the article? From Krause <laughs> FX, Krause FX, Krause FX. Did you see that article? It went around today. Um, you got to give me more. Give me oh, more. for the love of God. Third bullet, follow up in front matter. Quick hot take on potential iOS password. Oh, yeah, pro- no, yes, I did. I did, I did not know. I thought, I thought you were talking about down. I want to make sure our listeners go and follow this because this is something we've talked about, I believe, at least twice on here is the whole like, oh, my God, why are you giving me a pop-up password confirmation thing on iOS? Like, why are you asking me to do this what is it for it's definitely annoying and feels potentially ex- like not exploitable but feels comp- potentially kind of exploitable because there's no context and you're tra- you're training us to type our password in a context free dialog box that pops up no matter what we're doing this is not windows you know this is uh this is bowling there are rules and so yeah exactly and the, the phrase i keep using is like what you know, what am i reauthenticating to where and for what reason is this because of iTunes? Is this because of the store? Is this about my syncing my data for contacts? Like, what is it that's confused? Because there's no way to tell. Anyway, I just want to say for our listeners, if you found that interesting or you've suffered from that as well, there's a very, I think, quite interesting article in show notes where this guy named Felix goes in. And can you tell me what he did here? Did you read this? I skimmed it, but I'm just assuming it's either a proof of concept or something that's out in the wild that shows how easy it is. He uh, he, he made this, but basically he he probably made an ex- made a uh, an app that would make this so like a background running app could potentially throw up this sign in box. Is that the idea? I don't think it's background. I think it's foreground, but it, it doesn't matter. The point is, if you're in, I, I, maybe even web pages can do it. I'm not entirely sure, but if you can draw something to the screen. 
potentially you can draw something to the screen in a way that looks a lot like the official uh, dialog box that you have to enter your password in. Well, exactly like. Uh, it doesn't have to work exactly like. Like you say, oh, look, the anti-aliasing is off or the text is a little bit different, but nobody knows that. Even if it looks remotely close, people will type their password in it to make the box go away because that's what years and years of iOS use has trained us to do. No matter what you're doing, at some point, a box like this may pop up, pop on the screen and you just have to enter your password in it so you can get on with whatever it is you were doing. And you won't know, why did it ask me for that? Is yeah. it going to ask me again? Have I successfully entered it? The box went away. What if the box comes back again? You know, it's just... Is it asking for something is, else or did I type it in wrong? Yeah, these are, you know, coming, whatever it is. Chicken's coming home to roost. That's what's happening here. Um, but one thing I don't want y'all to miss, because this was, I found this to be true. Uh, and I think it's worth sharing uh, in the how can you protect yourself uh, section. So when one of these things pops up, and you'll see it as something like, in this case, sign into iTunes Store. Uh, you know, it, this thing will pop up, and you'll get the password field, cancel or sign in. Great piece of advice, and I've done this myself, <laughs> trying to get out of this. He says, hit the home button and see if the app quits. By which, is that, is that the way that you, you want to put that? I would say hit the home button, and if it doesn't go to the home page, and you still have that pop-up up, that means that was, if, you're, if, if hitting home does not take you home, that means that is, in all likelihood, at this point, an Apple pop-up. If you hit if you hit the home button and it takes you home, uh, now you got a stew going. That means that that might have been a fishy thing. Yes. Yep. Um, and a lot of a lot of the uh, you know t- t- defense against this, I feel like, is potentially trying to train yourself and tell other people that just because a box pops up, mm-hmm. if it's not popping up in response to a thing that you did that, that you expected to ask you for your password. There's always a cancel button on it, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't know what it's for, you can always hit cancel. And it's kind of like if it's important, they'll call back. Yeah. Or right, right. if I if I'm trying to do a thing that I can't do, then you know, maybe I'll go to the settings app myself and see that I'm signed into all the things that I want. This is more of an expert level thing because most people just want the box to go away. I understand that. But for people who have a little bit of savvy, other than the home button test, which is just, you know, where or one more hack away from someone exploiting some bug to make that not work. Right. Um, the, but the ultimate defense is don't type your password in the box. But I mean, hit, hit cancel. I, okay. So uh, since I'm the official old man, this episode, I was saying to Dan today, it reminds me a little bit of uh, what I wish it was more like was little snitch where little snitch gives you all this, this high level of detail about what's requesting an in or outbound link, you know, what app, what port and stuff like that. Couldn't you just add a link somewhere on here that would take you directly to the area in settings where you would more appropriately put this in. Yeah, but you can fish that. Like once you have the control to draw on the screen, you could draw something that looks like the settings app and do all sorts of shenanigans to, you know, depending on how much effort you want to put in. This is probably more effort than most people want to put in for fishing because it's so easy to do. You don't have to be clever or make it look pixel perfect or <sighs> right. do a fake settings app. If you had the link that leads to it, make your link lead to your fake settings app that looks just like the real set. You know, it's just... It's, you know, what can you do? Yeah, what can you do? But anyway, it's a problem yeah, it's a problem for Apple to deal with and they have not dealt with it and maybe this will uh, give them a kick in the pants to try to come up with something. You can find show notes for this episode at relay.fm slash rd slash 63. And I try really hard. I, I spend more time than I should on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you, can, I, can I remind you of the instantiating incident here? You should do that, yes. Okay, um, so on ma, 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 Friday, 
It's on Friday because her homework was due. My daughter had a sore throat on Thursday and she did all those things that make you think, well, she actually doesn't feel good. Like she didn't want to watch TV. She actually kind of wanted to take a nap. All those danger signs that she might actually feel bad turned out to not be a big deal. But the next morning she still had a sore throat and I didn't need to be anywhere and, uh, you know, canceled my Blade Runner ticket, whatever. It's no big deal. But I, um, but I, I, uh, so I hung out with her and she's fine. She's feeling better, but you know, I'm still glad we did it, you know? And of course we get the call. And the call is from the school. We get a robocall. And, you know, we talked about this when we uh, took our, uh, as you say, uh, vacation uh, to Washington. We got this call every day. This is the call you get from the San Francisco Unified uh, School Department, which is like, your son or daughter, Jeremy Mann, was absent from school today. Please call the school immediately to clear this absence. Because we all know from the many email newsletters we get that it's a huge deal. They, they lose money if kids are absent. Like it's a whole big thing. Anyway, I got this call. And the thing was, before my wife left that morning, Friday morning, she, you know, my wife's really good at this stuff. She emailed her, uh, my daughter's teacher, emailed the lady at the front desk and said, hey, Jeremy's sick today. Uh, and so just so you know, uh, Jeremy's not going to be in today. All good. Even got a response from the teacher. I get the robocall, nasty gram. I don't know when that was. Sometime like early afternoon, maybe. And of course, I frantically hop on the blower. I, I talk to the lady at the desk and I say, hey, hey, this is Merlin Mann. I'm Jeremy Mann's uh, father. Uh, yeah, she's she's sick. And she said, oh, no, no. I already got the your wife called and I got I already did get the email uh, from this morning. So it's already cleared. And I felt the need to share that with you because that feels... That experience feels essential in some way to what bugs me about certain automation systems. And the reason I shared it with you is I was frustrated and sometimes I can, you can, I can get you on my side with these, these frustrating things. It drove me crazy that there's an automated message that was really dramatic. I responded to it. My wife responded to it. Neither of us needed to respond to that because it had already been taken care of. And now we've made two phone calls happen. I mean, that, that's just us, just us. That, that wastes our time, the, the, the two parents, and it wastes the time of the lady at the desk. And I think that's silly, and I think it's emblematic of something that's troubling about automation systems that look like they're supposed to save time and effort but actually create work for people. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about. So in this case, and I think in a lot of cases in automation, you're judging it based on whether it saves you time or maybe even based on whether it saves time of the front office people who have to answer those two phone calls that are unnecessary and explain that they're unnecessary. Isn't that just wasting everybody's time? But I feel like the real purpose of systems like this is to get in the face of the people who don't call mm -hmm. ahead of time, right? The message that goes out to everyone's phone and text and email and people see it and forget about it or don't check their email or don't check their phone messages this is so that a human being doesn't have to chase these people down. So a computer will sort of shotgun spray everybody. And the people who are going to be conscientious about it and call in anyway, and then both of them return calls, this system is not for you. It is costing you time and it is costing the front desk people. It is for all the people who are not like you, who are going to forget about this entirely or not know they have to do it or see it in their email, but then forget about it and then get home and get a phone message that is exactly the same as the email and say, oh yeah, I did, never did respond to that email. You know, they're just trying to pick up the the people who aren't gonna, who, who aren't reachable in any other way. Okay. Uh, and the collateral damage is all the conscientious people who have to be nagged by this thing too and who have to end up, you know, calling and everything. I mean, you could have if you were 
laid back kind of like, oh, we already called to do this, so I can just ignore this message. But both of you are not that type of person. You now have to make sure maybe maybe they didn't get our message. Maybe they didn't get our two emails. Maybe they don't know. We have to call. We have to call. That's why this this particular automation is not for you. Right. And just to clarify, certainly I was I was personally a little annoyed by it because we already get so many freaking robot calls from the school. And as I mentioned, I think in a text to you, I mean, that could be walkathon is coming. It could be that the auction is coming. It could be a reminder to please use this drop-off area. We've talked about that one before. And a favorite of mine, the and this is probably for the same audience you're discussing here, the reminder on Sunday night before school starts that school is about to start. So you're getting these, these calls like fairly often. We got a call today because of the air quality, because of the fires, the kids are playing inside. For that, we had a robocall. That's all fine. That's, that's a dumb use of my time, but I understand it. I get it. That does save time from having to do what we used to do. Like, I don't know if you ever did this in Little League. Do you ever have like phone trees where you would spread news mm-hmm, about something? Mm-hmm. Yep. But no, I'm thinking of the lady at the desk. I'm thinking about like the time that it, the dumb amount of time. And she's a machine, man. This lady is good. And she, she's, she's very on point. You don't mess with this lady. I treat her with much respect. And uh, she does a really good job. Yeah, I'm thinking of her. I'm thinking it's nuts that that call goes out without regard to what's already in place. Dumb of what's in place. Like not knowing <laughs> that this has already been cleared because I guess there's no join there to like notice that this has already been cleared. It only goes one way, pushes uh, out. That's, I mean, that, that's all outsourced, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, you can't expect these systems to connect or if they did connect, you can't expect them to connect in real time. That's a high bar for even private industry, let alone you know, a public school. Um, and yeah. and the, the woman at the desk who's going through all these calls, like probably her performance is judged on how many kids who are absent have an explanation from parents, right? So she wants to gather up, like she wants all the calls. Don't mind that you, the three people call me. I worry about the, the, the kids who nobody calls me ever about it. And I have to chase them down and nag them about it. Right. The, uh, you know, and it, come the end of the year, they want to see how many absences were unexplained, and it's my job to bring that number down. So I'm employing this outsourced system that robocalls everybody. I'm fielding all the calls. She wants more people to call. She wants to get called twice by everybody because sometimes the, the people who called twice and sent three emails, one of the people will forget or they won't have the phone number or they'll typo the email. And so if you're redundantly sending the communication, that's all good for her. I'm just speculating. You can't ask No, I know. Next time. I know. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you're the wrong person to talk to you about this because I'm not trying to make this an IT <laughs> issue. Like I understand that computers are yeah. difficult. It's, um, it's more that like, I guess the larger pattern, apart from the pattern of me not wanting to be annoyed and then having to think about this and then talk about it on a podcast. It's also just this larger pattern that I see, I feel like I see in lots of places that goes back all the way to modern times, goes back to Charlie Chaplin. Just this idea of these systems that are supposed to be making us more productive and useful that will at the, at the, as a, at a, at a minimum will save us effort, work, maybe even danger right? There, that's what automation is. That's why we have big robots build our cars. There's all kinds of reasons for that. Just in this instance, I'm especially curious about the ones where, A, they end up generating more work than they seem to say, save, and where, B, uh, they actually end up, in some cases, being very hostile to what I will call the consumers. And we're kind of expected... To just sort of lump it because that's how it is. Oh, you know, credit card systems suck. That's just how it works. Phone trees suck. That's just how it works. And yeah, maybe it's an old man complaint, but I, I'm just interested in what that means for like once everybody from the enterprise to the consumer just gets used to the idea that this stuff sucks, but we have to keep buying it. 
So I think the broader thing, setting aside the school, for example, the, the other examples you give uh, in you know private industry, those are even more explicable because those are all about saving money for the company. Passing it on, passing it on to you. Now it's your problem. Yeah, it saves money. It's so much cheaper to have an automated system nagging people on fielding calls than humans doing it. Yeah. And it is much worse for the consumer because you'd much rather talk immediately to a nice person who's empowered to help you, right? But that it is seems like it'd so be good for everybody. Yeah, sure, that, sure. But no, but that wouldn't be good for them because it costs them so much money. So they want an automation there that's going to be worse than talking to a person to handle 99.9% of everything because they don't have to pay the automation. You know, it's not the same. There's no healthcare plan for the automation. There's no 401k for the automation, right? So that is all about saving money. And the, the companies that can afford to sac- essentially sacrifice customer satisfaction and customer service in exchange for cost savings are all the industries that we don't like that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that have large barriers to entry and it's not easy for people to comp- compete with them or that they have near monopolies or all sorts of other, you know, telecom companies, airlines, credit card companies, and even they try to be better about customer service, but the people who are in charge of the customer service, like one of their big, getting back to your yearly review, one of their big things is how much money, how, how much money did, did we spend on customer service? And then mm-hmm. what is our customer satisfaction? You know, if we go back to 1960, you just have rooms full of people who are all trained to be nice to you. That is so expensive compared to rooms full, you know, banks of computers running some software, probably not even that you have to control. It's probably all completely outsourced. When I, when I was out from work for a long time this summer, I got the call, speaking of like school's going to start, I got a call from a company, I wish I could remember the name, but it was like something, something absence management. This is a company who, as far as I can tell, their only job is to tell people when it's time to go back to work. So they, they call- <laughs> They're like an outsourced truant officer. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, so I had in my calendar, obviously, time to go back to work, vacation's over, right? Uh, but I got a call that said- uh, this is blah, blah, blah from blah, 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 blah. It was like a hilarious 80s name, like M- Laser Matrix Extra. <laughs> ax- uh, absence Laser management. Matrix Absence Management. <laughs> it, was, it was very 80s. And they said, they, they left a message because I wasn't there. Right. Um, we're calling to, uh, to, uh, not, to, to tell you to, to confirm that you'll be returned to work on such and such a date. And then they said, please call us back to confirm the you know this date or whatever like it wasn't just a matter of like oh here's a message just so you know it's like we need you to tell us yes i acknowledge like you're opting you in. have told me that i have to return to work so they can get paid presumably because without like comp like that's their whole job i'm like this is a company can i start this company mm-hmm. absence management people are absent from work at some point they need to return don't bother having to call them that'll be too much work for your company to do yeah outsource it to us and we'll call they can have, people. They can, they can half-ass it at scale. Right. And, but it was an actual person, too. It wasn't even a robocall. I'm like, what What kind of business is this? <laughs> I said, we're in, the, we're in the wrong business. We should say, yeah, just tell us when what your employees' vacation are, and we'll give them a call the day before they're supposed to come back to remind them to come back. You should do it. You guys should, you should pivot. That's a good idea. I mean, because it's right in the name of the company. I thought it's not just like, oh, this is this is one of the many things they do. Absence <laughs> management. That was the name of the company. It wasn't a department. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's fascinating. But anyway, that's cheaper. That's cheaper from them than having like we have a big HR department, but we don't want any of those highly paid people wasting any of their time keeping track in a spreadsheet of who's supposed to return to work when and call them. We'll outsource that. It's still cheaper to have someone else do it. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you already touched on this one from my examples. But there's there's one that like I, I went through a spate. I don't know if it was a spate. I might, I might have gone through a half spate. But I went through a time for a while 
where whatever I was doing with seemingly mundane acts of in-person commerce, <laughs> ironically enough, especially in-person commerce, were causing fraud detection to kick in on my card. Very famously in my family, uh, two times within probably a year, putting cash on my public transit card, boop, port calls comes down, cards shut off, I get the email to please contact us about your recent purchases. Now, now this used to be a funny joke where you'd, where you'd call and they'd say, well, I see here that you bought some books in Washington, but you never left California. And you could go, ha ha, that's Amazon. Like, that's an old funny joke. Now it's much more weird. I think the algorithm for finding that stuff, I, don't even, I, I couldn't even guess how it works. I, it's looking for some kind of a blip in a pattern. Maybe it's looking at an area where a lot, I mean, there must be so many vectors to figuring out when to kick that in. But then on the one hand, so, so the algorithm of whatever kind kicks in and it goes, okay, something suspicious or a set of suspicious data points has happened over a period of time. And the algorithm brings down the portcullis. And then you get to call, but then you got, then you got to call them. And now it's further on you to like verify, like, yes, I bought these sparklers. Yes, I bought this, you know, uh, canola oil. You get, you know, you verify all those things. It's just, it's weird though, how like there's the one piece of the algorithm rhythm that like, oh, so to, to take this further then, what is it that really causes this thing to, to tick off? Travel, right? You go somewhere, you travel somewhere where you weren't the night before and you give them the card to hold your room. You know what I mean? The like go for incidentals or whatever, right? And it's the de- essential deposit. I went through a period where that was just like always a white knuckle thing for me. Because on a couple occasions, it would just kick in for no reason I could tell. And so now I'm a weirdo. Now I'm contacting all of my card-related companies before I travel and giving them my exact itinerary in order to like hopefully avoid that. I'm white knuckles coming from the airport because I don't know if the card's not going to work. Does that actually work? Because I think I've tried that a few times and there's no effect. It's like a placebo. They're like, yeah, uh uh-huh. You can see them just nodding their head as they, you know, twirl their pen and don't write anything down. Right, 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 right. I type it into my invisible typewriter. Yeah, yeah, no, no, we got it. It's fine. Like it is, they're doing nothing at all because that's not that's not an input into their system. I I always imagine the flags. Also, one of the other ingredients in this big stew of when to flag things is people who have their credit card stolen. What do people immediately buy with those stolen credit cards? Gas. Maybe transit gas. passes. Gas, yeah, gas, and transit passes are a thing. Gas will frequently. I think gas frequently triggers it. I think it's something people like. Maybe I'm just doing this. This might be an availability heuristic. I feel like gas purchases are often what kicks it off. Yeah, or Apple things from the Apple Store. All right. I've had you know you think oh it's from the Apple Store it's right. you're buying something expensive didn't but you get if, dinged on, like a pair did you get dinged on WWDC one time? That's a big person starting to kind of see like whoa you know is that you or I, Casey? I think I've I think I've had uh, the call by WWDC in the past. Maybe Casey has more recently. Uh, but you know it, it, you would think that in their system oh, it seems like every year <laughs> around June this guy spends sixteen hundred dollars on Apple things. Maybe right. you know, the the sixth year we'll say oh no that's normal behavior. But yeah, gas is very often because you're out of state and you're making a purchase out of state. But like, but I think for the transit passes, maybe they're like a sort of money laundering or some sort of fungible thing that if you charge up a transit pass, you can oh, like a gift card, those gift card things. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good so point. I don't, I don't that's know. a good point. The other, I mean, like here's the thing: like this is exactly the kind of system that I should be hired to create because mm-hmm. my own dumb reckon about how this works would exactly screw this up good to make a really perfect system <laughs> because I can guess I can reckon what do you got you got the whatever the taxonomy is that identifies in the check register like you know like this was for um dining out 
this was for retail. Like there's some kind of a code that gets associated with a company. I bet it's a combination of location, time, how often it fit, how much the amount fits in with the amount that you usually spend, of course. But I bet they come up with some banana balls idea of like when this many things are out of balance on this many of these factors, you just, you just lock things down. Right. So like if you, if you don't spend a lot of, if you don't usually spend a lot of money, you don't travel much and you get a bunch of in-room porno in the Poconos like that, I bet that's the kind of thing that could really kick it off. Yeah. I mean, and increasingly I would imagine that all these things will move to actual machine learning where there is a no sort of human derived reasoning. The whole point is they have a bunch of transactions in the past that they know are fraudulent right. and a bunch that they know are legitimate and they just feed it into the thing and say, learn from this so that when I give you one, is this more like the fraudulent ones you saw or is this more like the legitimate ones? And you don't know essentially how it's making that determination exactly. And it doesn't matter. Right? Because it's, it's like, it's like, it's like Bayesian. It, it's a Bayesian thing, right? Like it, it'll figure out something you couldn't have guessed. Same thing with, yeah, like spam filtering. You feed it the good messages, you feed it the bad, and you say, is this one good or is this one bad? And it comes up with an answer. But if you were to ask somebody, why did it come up? Sometimes they can give you some reasoning. Well, I weighted this by this factor and this by that factor. But a lot of the machine learning stuff are complicated enough that even if it gave you the long-winded explanation of how it arrived at this, it wouldn't make intuitive sense to you as a human. All you really care about is the success rate. You could measure, okay, the the algorithm said that, you know, when it says it's fraud, how often is it right? How often is it wrong? And, mm-hmm. you know, and you can compare that to when we had humans doing it or when we had our very fixed function algorithm that just said was very sort of static weighting of factors, you know, so they, they, it's in their interest to make this algorithm better. And I hope it is getting better, but it's frustrating to all of us, especially when, as with some of these machine learning things, when you say a human wouldn't have made this call because whatever factors you learned on a human being would look at this and <laughs> say, this guy goes to WWC every year. So don't flag the $1,600 charge in June to Apple because it happens it happens every year. The corollary is that a human might have missed five incidents of malfeasance where they might right. have let or, one or, good one through. Or a human would be, would be fooled by an instance of fraud that differs in a way that a human wouldn't get detected. And bottom line is no human is going to look at every single tra- transaction and spend 50 minutes pouring over to see if it's fraud. That's why you can't have humans do this because right. it would be so expensive. So you have to have machines do it. Yeah. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. Enter the offer code DIFFS at checkout, and that'll get you 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace, because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Maybe you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. All of those award-winning templates are just beautifully designed, and they show off your great ideas. I've been a fan of Squarespace for years. I want to highlight my use of uh, Squarespace for a podcast, another show I do with John Roderick called Roderick on the Line, and we do it all through Squarespace. They host the episodes, the show notes, the images, the whole nine, and it all just works great. I just, I think the world of Squarespace, I trust them more than I trust myself. Crazy part is that Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month, but you can go right now and start a trial with no credit card required. All you have to do is go to squarespace.com. 
When you decide to sign up, use that very special offer code DIFFS. That's D-I-F-F-S. That's going to get you 10% off your first purchase, and it will show your support for Reconcilable Differences. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. As time goes on, I hope more and more services do this, but realize um, that the most powerful thing, any service that you have to have sort of appointments or scheduled meetings, or you go to a place on a schedule, or you pay for five classes and you go to whatever, anything that has that component to it, if you're trying to sell to the nerds with a lot of disposable income segment or like the upper middle class or the suburban set or people, people with money to give you for your service, you know, lots of money. They want to spend it to give little Timmy horseback riding lessons or whatever they want to do. Like the, the, you want to shear those sheep because they've got the wool, right? Make money. Um, in my experience, those people love a system that doesn't require them to interact with people mm-hmm. and that the system is the one only source of truth. Yeah, that, but it, like, like build it for CGP like, Grey. Right, like like that. It, that is a website uh, and that everything is there and you can see it. And if you want to change your appointment, you just change the number and then it's like you've changed it and the other person's confirmed and there's never any follow-up calls and never any talking to people and never any working outside of the system. There is just the system and the system doesn't involve people and it's not complicated to have a system like that, mm-hmm. like it's like a, an order system, like ordering food from a restaurant where there is no calling to order. It is only the electronic system. The electronic system is truth and that's all there ever is to it. And there's a record of everything that has ever taken place. And you can say exactly what you want. And like, there's no room for human error or fudging or no one is scribbling something down on a piece of paper and sticking it to something. Right. Mm-hmm. That type of system is very appealing to people who have more money than time. Right. Yeah, like when you go and make a change to your order somewhere, or just have some hypothetical, some notional company where you have an order that's in place, you have this skew, this skew, that skew, you're getting two of this skew. When you go in, there's one place you go to change that, and when you do that, they quote unquote see that immediately. There's no, there's no like submitting a job order to be approved that's then got to be manually put into a queue by somebody else. Like you're all seeing the same information from the angle you need to see it from. Or, or you sign up your kid for, you know, horseback riding lessons and this, you get five lessons and one time you're going to be on vacation. So you go to the website with lessons and you click on the Thursday, you're not going to be able to make it. Yeah. And you click reschedule and you pick another open date for it to be rescheduled for. And at no point is there any mystery like, did you do all five of your classes? I know you missed one, but did you reschedule that or for when? Or let me check my book or was... was uh, you don't have to worry whether, quote unquote, someone wrote it down. Right. Or was Sue there that day? Does she know you did it? Oh, just tell her and she'll know that you're allowed to be in this next class. No, the source of truth is the one, you know, very simple information, you know, server or whatever. And there is no triple accounting and books and word of mouth and people and whatever. And it's just not a complicated system, but that there is one source of truth and that one source of truth just involves people clicking around on both sides. Like you were able to say, I would like to be in this class and see it as tentative. And you, and the people on the other end are able to say, yes, you can go in this class. And then you, they click it and you see that and you say, yes, it's confirmed. And it has been successfully rescheduled. And I didn't have to talk to anybody. I didn't have to wait for someone to be on the phone. I didn't have to worry that someone didn't write it down in their book. I don't have to call them ahead of time to remind them or anything like that. That's what, that's the future the liberals want. That's what Sharp won. What a wonderful world that would be. 
some things are like that. Some things that, you know, especially food orders, like food systems that try to be efficient, they just say, look, uh, you know, we do no phone ordering. You got to use our app. And the app is what runs our entire restaurant. And we just do what the app tells us. And at any point, up until your order is ingested into the system, you can alter it. And the, but once it goes in, you you see in real time that we are in the process of making your order now. So it's too late for changes and crap like that. I like that. I personally really like that clarity. I like clarity where the burgers that we got tonight, you go into this site and per burger, you say what you don't want on it. If there's stuff that they automatically put on. And then there's a separate section with a different field head, like a different um, area, form area, where it's all the stuff you do want. So you could use the text box to say something like, I want to remind them this is for a kid, but like everything that I need to communicate has a, has a button, a, a tick box associated with it, which I find very satisfying. And then if I want to reorder it, I can just reorder that. It's a dream. It's the dream come true. Yeah. It's, uh, and it, the, and we have the, uh, the, even have the fun meme case of that, which is, oh, I'm going to get it wrong. Um, none pizza left beef. Did I get it right? Is that a my sequel joke? No, we've talked about this before. None pizza with left beef. Yeah, just type that into a Google thing. <laughs> There's jewelry for it. Of course there is. You can get a none pizza left beef uh, necklace. Because of course you can. Oh. Oh. So one of the one of the very early sort of online ordering. Not that early. I don't know. Maybe it was the 90s. Maybe <laughs> none it wasn't. None pizza uh, with left beef. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 okay, I do, you, I do remember this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they give you sort of check boxes for every part of the pizza. And you could, you know, say, I want cheese on this side or whatever. But, but the sauce was on there, too. So you could say, what kind of pizza? None pizza. So no cheese, no sauce. And you want half the pizza to have beef on it. And the people who are at, at the, the mercy of the system read the order and did what it said. They put pizza dough in the oven with beef on the left side of it. And no sauce and no cheese, and they delivered it to you because that's what you ordered. <laughs> and of course, the beef doesn't stick to the pizza; it's just kind of rolling around. And in the end, it's Domino's anyway, so it's all disgusting. It but. looks like a large rabbit has made a mess on a pizza. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a kind of unhealthy rabbit. Needs <laughs> to drink more. Get on that Bristol scale. I ordered a TV. Oh boy, don't talk to me about scheduling the TV delivery. Oh, boy, you're talking about an automated system. Why do, why do you have to schedule the TV delivery? I don't, I don't talk to you about these things. It had to be delivered by this freight company, and it had to all be arranged <laughs> at a certain time, and I had to go talk to a person on the phone and agree to the terms line by line. Do you agree? Do you agree that your location is not behind a locked fence or unavailable to those people in? That's right. But you're going you're gonna to be home for it, right? Yes. Do you understand that we will just take it to the nearest dry area? Yes, I do. And so I says to her, I says, hey, you know, between you and me, is there any chance that when the guy or gal comes to drop it off, I could give them $40 to help me carry it up two flights of stairs? And they said, sir, in order to do that, we would need to engage in the premium white glove did, did believe service, bring it up, only mm-hmm. available on Saturday in the month of April. I said, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Guy came out, totally gave him 40 bucks to carry it up for me. That's a city person thing you have going on there because you just literally don't, you don't have any place to put it, right? No. Like, that's why you need, because it's not like you can say, oh, I'll just leave it in the garage until your wife gets home and you can both bring it upstairs, right? I, uh, you could, but I also, just for, it doesn't matter why, but I I gotten it scheduled and moved my schedule such as it is around to where I'd be able to get it set up so that when they got home, it'd all be ready. So when I ordered my TV, also from Amazon, I don't know if you ordered it from Amazon, but I ordered my TV from Amazon, and when they came... Uh, they came to the house and they say, where did you want it? And I said, just bring it in the door and put it down on the floor and leave. And they did that. Nice. 
And but you know, because I don't, I'm not up like five flights of stairs. I'm not on a weird city street. I'm just in a suburb. They pull up to the house with the big truck. They yep. take it out. I open the door for them. Two people carried in. They walk. They drop it on the floor. They leave. Boom. Uh, and I think they might have said like, "Oh, we can we can set it up for you and assemble it." And it's like mm-hmm. that's you know the last thing I want these people to do is touching my television <laughs> in any possible way. Oh, taking it out of the box and and putting the base oh, on. Like, I can know, you imagine what what butchery they would do? I to can't. That? I can't even like, imagine. And of course, the thing is, they drop it off. They pull out the clipboard, and what do you got to do? You got to sign all of these papers that indicate that you have very carefully inspected every aspect of the of the goods that have been delivered, and you agree there's absolutely nothing wrong. And I was like, mm, mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. dude. Like, I haven't opened it, and I'm really worried about right. this. I haven't, haven't haven't turned it on to see whether it works or not. It's a very skinny TV. So let's get through the part that I'm embarrassed about and get to the part that's interesting. Uh, so I've had a Vizio 42 inch TV for I think seven years. Uh, it's smaller than we would have liked for the room. I mean, it's, it's okay. It's been fine. It's a 1080p TV that was fine. It did what it needed to do. But for the last maybe two years, it's done this dumb thing where when you turn it on, it takes an indeterminate amount of time for the proper image to appear on screen in a way that I could merely describe as horizontal lines slowly being populated in an interlaced way, beginning with the top of the screen over, like I say, one to 16 minutes. And so that sucked. Finally decided it was time. Yada, yada, yada. I talked to you, got some advice from you. And let me go find it. I already put it in show notes. We got the C7 series by LG. And this is in show notes. Let's get it out of the way. It was kind of expensive, but I'm happy with the deal that I got. And I love the TV. What I got was the C7 OLED 4K HDR smart TV 55 Itch. And did you buy it from Amazon? No. Where did you where did you get it from? I got it from I think I got it from Overstock. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty easy to set up. I don't know where you want to start. I love this thing. It is so thin. It is so gorgeous. Am I jumping ahead? Ask me. Ask me what you want to ask me. No, yeah, no. I just I want to hear what you what you think you're into TV. Well, I um I had talked to you about this. I noticed that lots of other people that I respected, admire, had bought mostly in the in the. 65-inch version. Like a bunch of people just bought this TV. It seemed like the time was right. I am more than happy to jump on a bandwagon if it's a good bandwagon. Uh, and so I jumped in. Yeah, it was fairly easy to set up. It's impossibly thin. It's, you know, in the same way that when you get your first um, non-CRT monitor, you're like, how does that even work? Like, where's the rest of the screen? Like back in the day, that's kind of how it felt with this. This thing's, I think it's two inches thick. It's crazy. Oh, it's way less than that. It's not two inches. What are you talking about? It's like a, it's like a quarter an inch on, for the screen part of it, right? Maybe there's well, a bulging part in the back. I just mean like whatever the non when when not mounted. I think the widest widest depth is something like two inches. But I will look it up. Yeah, but but that's where all the guts are it's for the really, main back panel thing, isn't it? Like it's like less thinner than, than my inch? iMac. Like it's really it's really small. And, it's um, way thinner than your iMac. I gotta look at this. I'm you're, trying not to exaggerate, John. If I exaggerate, no, people are gonna send me Twitters it about so it. People, people are picturing this as a 55 inch iMac, and there's nothing like that. It's exquisite, is what it is. Uh, so just starting with the size is effing perfect for our room. I'm so glad I didn't get 65. I was really worried about 55 that it would really overpower the room, and that we would go into the kind of man cave country that really is off putting to my wife. Um, I mean, spoiler alert. The family family flipped when they saw this thing. It looks so good. And I have some very specific notes on why it looks good, what I like about it. The relatively few things I don't like about it, but 
At John Syracuse says thumbs up. This thing was great. Um, it's uh, yeah. I mean, where, start, where do you want to start? So what? Uh, what about it? Did your family note that you know they they noticed it was better? But why? Like, what did they say? Like, oh, did they just say this is so much bigger than our old TV? Or was was there any? You know, just in that in that's in that way that's kind of hard to put your finger on. Like, I am believe it or not, even with my terrible eyesight and bad taste, I am very much more the connoisseur of picture quality. Not as much as you, but I I mean, I can sit there and like we'll we'll do like a 720 versus a 1080 versus like an iTunes version, and I really notice the difference a lot of the time. Even with my terrible eyes, I notice how terrible when you get too close to the screen, how terrible game of Thrones looks. So I'm not like a total size queen, but like, I do notice the difference. I think the first thing they noticed was just this overwhelming, like this thing's like the monolith. It's almost not only edge to edge, but there's way less bezel on this one than our old one. It's so skinny. I'll just cut to the chase. The HD, uh, yeah, uh, the 4k fine. It's cool. looks good. The HDR is crazy. The HDR, the differences with HDR are way beyond what I could have imagined. And I was ready to really like this, but like even just in menus for apps, it's, it's, John, it is so lame. Every time we turn on the TV, first of all, we no longer have to quote unquote warm up the TV, which is a really nice feeling. But then, whoa, that is skinny. Then when it does come up, I say the same lame thing every time. Look at how white those whites are. The whites are actually (laughs) white. It's actually like a beam of light streaming out of like the, like the menus of things. That really struck struck me, continues to strike me. One of the apps has like a little demo thing for various, the Dolby Atmos and Dolby uh, Vision functionalities. So we got no Atmos, but the Dolby Vision demos are crazy. You'd probably hate it. It's the kind of thing I'm sure they show like in a showroom, but like the the level of detail and contrast is shocking. I mean, it it looks a thousand times better than a movie screen, but that's what really, so what grabbed them, I think was the enormity of it, how big it was. Several things grab me. The HDR is gorgeous. The 4K, quite nice. Far and away, like forget whatever I said two weeks ago as we as this episode comes out. I was dead wrong. I'm so glad I hooked this thing up to Ethernet and I'm using it as a lot of my device at this point. Even though I got a 4K Apple TV, I really like using this thing. Pretty good app selection. Not we're still on that frustrating edge of like feels like every device has at least one major thing not available. In this case, it doesn't have the Hulu TV that we like on it. But big thumbs up pretty much down the line. So how do you like the remote, the little uh, like Wii remote thing with the cursor and you wave the remote around and it moves the cursor on the screen? Uh, strongly divided opinions. So yeah, so things about this, it does have, you don't call it a D-pad. What do you call that east, west, north, south way of navigating five way yeah yeah. i mean i would i would sometimes call it a d-pad the interesting thing is that the thing in the middle is like a little microsoft um scroll wheel which i had not been expecting but it's got a pretty tight enough turn to it that you're not accidentally scrolling when you mean to click uh take a note apple uh split decision i much prefer uh, clicking left and right up and down my daughter loves the wiimote style and she's gotten pretty fast at it. She's gotten pretty fast at being able to go someplace that I would just do three clicks over, two clicks up. So basically what happens is, I guess like a Wiimote, when you start waving it around, you get a little thing that looks a little bit like a Google marker flag as a pointer. And now it's turned, it's clicked into Wiimote mode where you are using it like a little lightsaber to point at the screen. And at any time, when you engage a click, a four-way click uh, or other menu item, I think it goes back into click mode. It's pretty Pretty solid. What did you think of it? 
So I think of all the ways to move a cursor on a TV screen from far away, it is the least objectionable for a reasonable price. It's kind of like when they, when they first did the Wii, uh, the, the original version of the Wii had uh, IR, two IR uh, blinky lights that you'd put on top of your TV with mm-hmm. a quote-unquote sensor bar. A little bar, I think pretty yeah. Sure it was, pretty sure it was reverse. Maybe it was, you know, it's kind of like the Duck Hunt gun. Remember Duck Hunt on the NES? Yeah, it's not. Point the, the it's the opposite light of, of the on. TV. It's often, yeah, the often on or reverse. It's, so the light gun is actually a camera that's taking a picture of right. your TV. Yes. It's not shooting a thing at your TV because your TV has no way to receive the shooting. So I'm pretty sure the Wii Remote was the same way, that the quote-unquote sensor bar on top of your TV God, was that's flashing clever. a bunch of... That's really clever. ...a bunch of in- in- infrared lights, and that you had an infrared sensor on the Wii Remote. Maybe it did it back the other way, too. I'm not sure. But either way, it was IR, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like, these two dots, and you kind of got to have, have a sight line on those two dots to know where you are, and... If you lose sight of those two dots, or if there's a really bright window uh, behind it, that infrared light from the sun is coming through that window, it can confuse it briefly, and your cursor might jump around. And it was okay for a first shot at that, but especially the sort of the jumping around or the trying to smooth it or having having an open sunny window or losing sight of the sensor bar thing mm-hmm. caused you to, to kind of break the illusion. So the second version of the Wii Remote, the Motion Plus thing, they added what we now all have in all of our smartphones, gyroscopes, to the thing. Little, uh, you know, solid-state gyroscope uh, microchip thingies. Mm-hmm. Still had the sensor bar, but the gyroscope would say, you know, what orientation is your remote in and what acceleration is undergoing right now? And it would try to interpolate based on your orientation and acceleration kind of how you're moving the thing. Um, and you'd still need to sort of like, still need, still need to recenter itself. And occasionally you have to recalibrate and say, this is center, this is stationary, this is level. Mm-hmm. But in general, it was much smoother because the outside world and line of sight didn't have any effect on the gyroscopes. Maybe the combination of both of them would be good. I don't know if they ever really combined them. Uh, but the LG remote, I'm pretty sure, is entirely gyroscopic in that I don't think there's any sort of sensor bar thing on the television talking to it. Hmm. It's just like we have we have accelerometers and gyros in the remote. And we can tell more or less, are you tilting the remote up? Are you tilting it down? Are you pointing it to the left? Are you pointing it to your right? And are you accelerating in some direction? And they massively smooth those inputs mm-hmm. to let you feel like you're kind of steering the cursor through molasses. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel as clumsy or random as a blaster. Like it really it does feel like you have more control of this than you than sometimes with a Wiimote, you get that feeling that it's just flying all over the screen and you're not sure even where it is, and you kind of gotta like, you know, when, when my daughter was first getting started with the Wiimote, we'd have to like say, okay, we stop. Point it to the middle, what feels like the middle, like you'll find your cursor again. And even though I, I'm, I'm, I haven't gotten as super into it as she is, it does feel very controllable from the very beginning. I just worry about misfiring, and I know I trust my fingers more. But you're right, it feels, it feels not maybe molasses, it feels like it's in a very controllable suspension of some kind. And it's massively smooth. It's, it's, what it's trying to do is uh, put like bumpers around where you're going, where... Mm-hmm. We kind of get you're telling us to go rightish and downish, mm-hmm. so we'll go rightish and downish. We call that rubber banding. No, pace. is that the name? What do you call that? No, no, no. <laughs> it's just it's smoothing. It's just mo- right. motion smoothing. Like all the inputs are massively smoothed and damped, um, which makes it less efficient than like a mouse cursor, where you feel like you're directly connected to the cursor on the screen, and certainly far less efficient than a touch screen, where you just touch the thing you want to get at. But for something that you have to use a remote to do for a TV far away. The, it's always by its nature going to be somewhat imprecise, and right. I think the massive damping and the sort of the, the the guardrails around all movement are appropriate because it's hard with that thing to 
like, you know, with your daughter to have the cursor fly off the screen or jump to the edge of the screen or do something unexpected. Most of the time, it's the opposite. You're trying to herd the cursor down to the thing that you Mm -hmm. want, and it takes a little longer you want it to get there, but it is a much nicer experience. So I think of all the ways that you can control a cursor on a TV screen, this is one of the best I've seen in a mass market thing in a fairly, you know, even though TV is ridiculously expensive, a fairly cheap, like the remote is probably cheap to manufacture. It's not a $400 remote, right? I would say it's ridiculously costly. I don't think it's ridiculously expensive. I think it's it's more money than I wanted to spend, but I, I feel like it's if, if I can keep this thing from breaking, it's very worth the money. Yeah, you're like three three years off the mainstream because it's it's kind of like a, a, any LED or plasma or any of those technologies when they were new, they they start off way too expensive, and then they come down to like oh I could actually kind of afford that maybe, but then eventually they just become mainstream and they're in Costco, right? And we're not we're not down to there yet. Also, just remember I've got I've got the fifty five, not the sixty five. So take a grand off the yeah. sixty five. Yeah, yeah. So, but but like a big a fifty five inch TV has been like one K is like for the good fifty five inch TV for mm-hmm. mainstream. You go to Costco, you want to buy a fifty five inch TV, but you want the good one, thousand bucks, eight hundred bucks, nine hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, right? And you want the cheap one, it's like four hundred bucks, right? It's sort of like you guys were talking about an ATP, the loss of the middle class and products, like with you and your chair. I, I thought that was a very thought provoking discussion. It's not so different here where there's, it's a little different. There, there's still a little bit of middle and high middle, but like you can get the, a crazy ass cheap TV. You can get like a $300 TV now and it'll be fine for the den. But like if you want these features, like you're going to have to make the leap. Well, but like kind of like computers, more, it used to be more like this in the 90s, but in general, the picture quality that you have on this television, uh, which is like thousands of dollars now. That same picture quality in a few years will be on the $800 model. There is yeah. a middle class of televisions. Like, that's what happens is the, the trickle-down effect of that technology very quickly mm. goes down to the sort of middle of the road. In fact, when I bought my Plasma, Plasma had done that. Is that kind of, is that because of com- component prices going down over yeah, scale? Yeah, they just get better at manufacturing mm-hmm. it, and it just becomes more routine. Like, Plasma started off as another, like, oh, $8,000 for a fancy Plasma television, right? But by the end of Plasma's life, it was cheaper than LED. Hmm. Like it was like you could you could get a plasma with amazing picture quality for less money than a worse LED television because LED because LED televisions were newish then. And manufacturing an LED screen that was 65 inches is not a thing that the industry had had a lot of experience doing. But fast forward five years and they're cranking out LED TVs like they're, you know, going into crackerjack boxes. They all the assembly lines and all the expertise to make a 65-inch LED screen. They figured it out. It's fine. It's routine. They do it. And you can get a huge LED television for not that much money. But OLED is ramping up. It used to be that to get an OLED thing that was like 12 inches, it would be like $1,000. And then they made a big OLEDs and they were like 50 grand. And, you know, it's coming down, it's coming down, but it's still in the multiple thousands. In a few years, OLED will be down into the, you can buy one at Costco and it will have very similar picture quality to the one you have now. So you are a bit of an early adopter on this tech, but not so early that you're spending ten grand on a TV. And your television is way better than those ones people bought for ten grand a while ago, just because mm-hmm. that's the march of technology. Uh, the main reason I'm waiting uh, is not because the TVs that are out now are bad, but because I have to replace more than just the television. I've got a lot of stuff hooked up to my TV. Mm-hmm. I have to ditch my receiver because it doesn't do 4K. Oh, and this I, I think this one I haven't checked, but I don't think this even has component. Like I don't think we can do like the Wii U on here. Yeah, I do have consoles, uh, things hooked to the component, but you can find adapters, though. So I'll have to give up some devices. Hmm. Other devices, I'll have to, you know, have to buy a new receiver. That's the main barrier. And then I got to make sure the receiver can power my existing speakers because I don't want to buy new speakers. And then I have to make sure that I have enough inputs. Are you, you going to get it at most? To support all my outputs. 
Uh, I don't know. I, you know, probably just because that's, you know. LG, I got to get your help on this because LG sells an Atmos soundbar plus. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of soundbars. Well, I don't. Uh, there's this thing. There's this point. This I don't know. This invisible in my head. I'm sure it's very visible to my wife. But there's this kind of inchoate sort of or uh, if, I don't know how to describe it. But like there's this man cave factor we want to avoid. So things like a ceiling speaker, not going to happen. We can live with a sound bar, especially a low profile sound bar that supposedly does, supposedly does Atmos. Like it does some element of the 3D sound. If you, ha- if you have room to route the wires so that they're not like people aren't tripping over them mm. and they don't see them, you don't have to put anything no, through floors or ceilings or walls. You can ju- if you can just hide the wires, like ours go behind our couch and one of them goes like up the side of our mantle and along the edge of our mantle. And because we have tons of pictures on our mantle, you don't see the fact that we have a speaker wire running the entire length of our mantle. Wow. It's not hidden. It's just laying there. It's not, not even like stapled down. It's just, that's it. It's just a wire. Is that, is that near where your iPhone goes? Uh, the speaker ends and then like a foot later is the iPhone mm-hmm. spot. But it gave us the ability to have two front speakers, more or less to the right or left of the television, and then a center channel that's actually in the television entertainment center itself, and then two back speakers. Mm -hmm. And the speakers are small, and they're unobtrusive, and they don't need to be plugged in. The only thing they're connected to is a speaker wire, which is actually pretty small and can be hidden in clever ways if you don't have to go across uh, doorways or thresholds or anything like that. Uh, And that will provide you much more of the real theater experience than a soundbar ever can. No matter how much I say they're bouncing sound off or whatever. We should, we should, the, uh, can we circle back to this? I know we don't have time tonight, but I would like to return to that in as much as you're interested because I would love to get your uh, tutorial on that. Uh, you were talking, so as far as like the actual TV part, I, I got you derailed at receiver. You're deciding to wait because. Yeah, so yeah, so um, yeah, I'm waiting because it's it's not just one purchase, it's multiple purchases. And like my, my television entertainment center, I should take a picture of like what it looks like behind it. Mm-hmm. The amount of wires, like I tried to organize them semi-neatly, <laughs> but it's it's almost an impossibility for multiple reasons. First reason is that the wires that come out of all my devices are not exactly the length they need to be to get from where they, you know, get from point a to point b because because of slack you got extra slack in them they're they're all sorts of lengths mm-hmm. and they're none of them are going to be exactly the length and i got what do i got to do with all this slack i have to coil it i have to wrap it i have to put it somewhere and i tried to be as neat as possible but at a certain point there's just so many wires and the second problem is i my entertainment center thing that my television is on is very open which i like because it's good for ventilation mm-hmm. but it is it, you know it's just like a top thing and then some glass shelves. There are no sides. There's no front. There's no back. Which means that there's not really any place to hide those wires that you're trying to coil. Right. Even my even my television stand. My plasma TV has this fancy television stand that's like a V, a chrome V. You can't even hide the wires that are coming off the back of the television. Hmm. Right? I have them carefully snake down the sort of the, the legs of the V behind each one of those chrome v's which is less than like an inch wide right behind each one of those v's are like 17 cables all neatly twisty tied wrapped to hide themselves in the v just to get out of the television and go snake behind God, you're like an, you're like an right? illusionist that's incredible but i'm trying to hide them but then if you look back there there's just tons of wires the power <laughs> cables alone the coils of power cables alone that are going into the big you know surge suppressor power strip thing and then all the HDMI cables and the mm-hmm. Ethernet hub and all the game consoles and their sensor bars and things. I don't like. I don't even want to think about going back here. We have like uh, you know peeling paint and wallpaper in that room, but I'm never going to get it fixed because I don't want to undo my entertainment center. Like that's the reason. It's just 
I don't even want to think about unplugging it. Oh, I know. I, I, I promised I promised myself I promised myself and my wife that I would do my I, I want to say once a year, but it's probably more like every two years. I do that thing, which is I go into the credenza behind the TV, all the things. I unplug every single cable cord wire, full stop. Take everything all the way out. And this is, I know this sounds dumb, but like I, I guess ideally I should just go through and meticulously remove, remove things I know I don't need. I do scorched earth. I take everything all the way down, dust everything. You know what I'm saying? And like we've got one of those IKEA cabinets uh, credenzas where like there's a hole on either side. So you've got like a middle section with two drawers. You've got on either side of that, you've got a, a door that flips up. <laughs> you've seen this in photographs. And inside each of those, then you can put all your, your dinguses. And so there's, it's pretty candy though. They've got a hole on each side that goes down for cords. And there's an area behind the drawers that serves as a little corridor for getting stuff in between there. But like, okay, so on the one hand, that's really convenient that if, if I were like the kind of person like my brother-in-law who did this stuff for a living, I knew I could make that super tight. He does that for boats. So it's like real serious to get it right. Uh, if I were really good about that and left it that way, that would be fine. But of course, I get a new dingus. Eero uh, sent me a thing. Oh, I'll go plug that in. And then I unplug this thing. But I left that cable, but I left... And then I go tear it all down, and like fully half of it is garbage that I am not using. It happens every single time. I promised myself I would do that this time. You know what, John? I got too excited to get the TV set up. So I merely tidied everything. <laughs> I rerouted anything that was sticking out, like you see in pictures. I rerouted everything that was gross just to cover my tracks. And just uh, race to get the thing set up. So you're talking about like a, you got a planning project is what you got. You got to go but, beyond. But, but you just, got places. You've got places to hide your mess. Like you've got an actual solid piece of furniture. There's no there is no front, no back, and the shelves are made of glass. So there's no place to hide anything. And and this, by the way, my television is in the corner. Like I have no good place for my TV. It's in a corner. So for me to do anything back there, mm-hmm. I have to squeeze around the television that's in the corner. And squeeze my little body into the tiny corner of the room <laughs> that is behind the television. It is very oh, uncomfortable. No, you're standing thank you. on power cords, no, so thanks. your feet can't be on the ground, mm. and you're crunched down there, and it's dark. And you know, if the things are turned on, there are fans blowing hot air in your lonely. face. <laughs> it's painful. Like I yeah. come out of there, like my whole body aches, and so I don't want to be. And it's hard to even see the backs of the things. You got to get a flashlight, and like imagine being backed into the corner of a room by a giant television entertainment center so that your knees are basically in your chest and your shins are up against the back you're, of the entertainment center. You're a tall center. fella. Now, you're a very tall fella. N- now imagine you're in that position. You're backed into the thing. Your back is against the corner of the room. Mm-hmm. Your shins are hitting the shelf. Now you have to see in the in the relative darkness the ports that are on the back of the thing that's on the bottom shelf. How the hell do you even get your head this, down This there? sounds like but Navy you, SEAL training. It sounds like something yeah, like a little no, bit Kobayashi Maru. You need to be Maru. a contortionist. You got to be like one of those one of those ladies that can put yeah. herself into like a glass cube the size of a phone book, right? <laughs> That's what you have to be to even just because then you find yourself like feeling like Braille because you can't physically get your head down there to look right. at the ports. You're feeling around for what the optical. You know. Anyway, uh. I'm putting that off as long as possible. I'm putting off the purchase of all that stuff as long as possible. And finally, having used a lot of these televisions, I'm hoping to wait just like one or two more generations for a couple things. One, mm-hmm. can't hurt the picture quality. will get a little bit better in any sort of reliability or burn-in or weird other stuff, whatever they're going to do to help with that. And two, the smart television stuff that you're using now, yeah. uh, having used multiple generations of these LG things with WebOS, the interface has gotten a little bit better. And I'm hoping that like a couple of generations from now, that essentially the CPU and GPU combo that are running the smart TV crap mm-hmm. will be snappier. Just because... 
not not because they care that much, but just in the general march of time, oh, we can we can put faster components in, especially in our high end television. It'll probably be the same software or whatever. Yeah. Those are the two things I'm hoping for. So I'm hoping for for probably a similar amount that you paid or maybe less mm-hmm. that I'll get a television with faster smart TV, slightly better picture and reliability. That's my hope, and that's why I'm still waiting. Okay. Well, I, I'm glad you gave me the advice you did. I'm glad I waited like I did. I'm glad, like you said, we saved our pennies for the one that we really wanted. We should wrap soon, but I've got a couple bitches and a couple things I love. What do you want first? Oh, by the way, I spent a little while trying to, to look this up because you're like, oh, it's like two inches thick. I, I need to find an actual number. It is a quarter of an inch thick for most of it. The, the, the main screen part of the screen surface is a quarter part. of an inch. Yes, and then down at the base, it gets 1.75 inches where, like, the guts of the television are. Well, it's got the little there's – the, there's the big electronic box that it's mounted on. Yeah, yeah. One, 1.75 inches. But the the majority of the television yeah. area-wise is one quarter of an inch deep. Like, it's so thin, you feel like you could just crack it off like it's a cracker with your hand. I'm real careful when I – because as I'll explain in a minute, I've done a couple of aftermarket things to it where I've been very gingerly with it. Um, but no, it's, it feels like short of being f- a folding screen or a rolling screen, it feels perfectly magical. I don't have many bitches about this at this point, and they're mostly kind of stupid. One is, and I kind of was anticipating this and watching for this, there's all kinds of stuff that just just what I've caught that I needed to opt myself out of. I, there's been there's been at least like I feel like half a dozen things where it's like, hey, is it cool if we do this thing with your stuff? And I'm like, no, don't do that. Like, well, yeah, I don't know if this will work right if you don't let us do this thing with your stuff. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, don't do that thing with my stuff. You know, kill the cookies for these ads and all that kind of stuff. I, I imagine it's amounting to almost zero impact that it will probably just continue to do what it wants. But ew, that's the reason I don't want to hook this up. It's been beneficial so far to have it hooked up for the reasons I'll explain. But just FYI, when you're configuring this, there's all kinds of places where they want to do dumb stuff with your data. And that's gross. Uh, the other one is, I don't know, this is unconscionable to me. The Even the dumb Vizio from Walmart or from um, Costco that we had, had, I think, four HDMI cables on the back. Most of the business was on the back. On the side, there was one kind of like, you know, get a spare HDMI on the side plus a USB, et cetera. All of the HDMI ports are on the side of this. No, there's one on the back. Almost all of the HDMI ports for this are on the side. Yeah, and not a lot of them either. Three on the side, one on the back. Only four ports total, which seems like a lot these days, but back in the day, you could get televisions with way more. You know, I think that might not be right. I feel like I've got more than this. I feel like I've got four plus that... Uh, See, I'm pretty sure I don't. I don't. Nope, you've got three, three on the side and one on the back. I'm looking at the picture of the back of your television right when now. When I get home, I will take a photo and send it to you. I don't think this is accurate. I think I've got a USB three standard plus one schmooper duper USB for uh, a Blu-ray HDR. No, that's not USB for HDR. So on the side you have three HDMI I, and then one John, USB. I'm looking at the same photo uh, you are of the back of the white TV. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, what I'm, so what I'm trying three to... HDMI and one USB okay. on the side. I'm pretty sure ours has more. But the point. Okay, so I'll have to check on that. But uh, also, this does not. Ours are much close. This does not look like ours looks. I'm going to take a photo so you don't think I'm crazy. Ours are much closer to the left edge and they all stick out of the side and then loop off the side. God save me if my stupid new Amazon Fire TV arrives and it'll just be hanging off the back. Gross. I didn't like that. 
But uh, Dan Benjamin to the rescue, at his suggestion, I picked up some fairly affordable little dinguses, which I put in notes. Yeah, the right right angle right angle HDMI connector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of clever and kind of dumb. But when you buy these in a pair for seven ninety nine, you get one that's a two hundred seventy degree and one that's a ninety degree. So <laughs> you end up having to buy lots of pairs and use only one. Um, but it's pretty clever. And so the, basically that just shunts the cable out behind. There's a little cable gathering thing in the back, but I thought that was kind of a weird choice to put them all on the side. Yeah. They do that for wall mounting. Oh, you can't smart. Have okay. Out, that makes poking, sense. Poking out of the back. Yeah, I've got all those right angle connectors on mine too. What annoys me is that when they're really close to the edge and even with the right angle connector, it's a close call to sort of route the, yes. the cables. I, that, that part of the back of my television does. And they're little, they don't feel very, they don't feel like they're really seated that well, well, you just got to get good connectors. Um, but that's that's an area where you can actually do the. You ever see uh, like a data center uh, photos from people who are proud of how they've routed cables and their and their their racks of servers in the data center? No, you those? is it like would you do like a dock or something? What would you do? It's it's kind of like knolling for for uh, you know uh, operations people. But I, I, that uh, sounds they, so dumb. But I'm afraid that if I looked at it, it would be the end of my month. That's like all I would be doing. You know what I mean? I mean, it's cool. Maybe if you don't work in that area, it's probably doesn't won't hold your attention for that long. But it is pretty amazing to see the sheer number of cables that they're able to route. And the opposite of that is they show like, what if you didn't carefully route anything, but it was just a giant rat's nest? And you're like, how does anything work? Right. In this data center, it is terrible, right? So I have both of those back of my television. You look <laughs> at the back of my television and you see like five HDMI uh, component uh, and, and composite video uh, and optical audio uh, and Ethernet all being carefully routed and snaked down those two legs of the V with little twisty ties, everything exactly the right length. Yeah. That looks like so one far, of the so good, good. Data center things. <laughs> and then once you get down below that level and look at the back of the entertainment center, that looks like the giant rat's nest. And that's the place where I'm standing on all the power cores and everything is coiled, but the coils are all tangled up with each other. And like, and the power, let me tell you, the power is the worst. Like, because hmm. everything has a giant power brick. I know, I know. And they all have like, the skinny cable that goes to the device. We have three. We have three power. We have three power strips to be able to do the stuff we need to do in that area. It's really gross. Yeah, and like when you have skinny DC power, power brick, long AC power cord. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's like three things in one. You've got the skinny cord to route and coil. You've got the brick that you have to yeah. find put somewhere, and then you've got the big thick unwieldy power cord, and then you've got the power strip that that goes into, and multiply that by like seven. I mean, I do have, and it's not as simple as like, I know this is probably way beneath your uh, taste, but you know, there's the kind of things you can get at the container store where you can like spool up a variety of cables into like a little reel. Mm-hmm. You ever seen those? Like, looks like a little bit of a turned inside out rubber top. Have you seen things like that? Yep, yep. Yeah, but like you'd need a, an industrial size one of those, and then if you do that with multiple, it would cords, have to be the then size of like an everything bagel. Whoa. Right, and then what, bigger than that, and then what if you want the one in the middle? You want to so you want to remove the one in the middle? Yeah, like you yeah, have multiple cords. I see. You still got a brick in the middle. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's. Uh, but anyway, I I do have four game consoles hooked to my television, so maybe that's a little bit excessive. Yeah, uh, case. two two sensor bars sitting on the top of it for the Wii U and the Wii, and uh, actually five game consoles attached because I got the, I've got the Switch now hooked up to it too. It's not so much a man cave; it's more like a man cave compound. <laughs> Yeah, it's really complicated back there, and it's very hard to get back there. But eventually, I will. I will do that. Instead, as you as you've heard on ATP, I'm instead of spending all my money on chairs this year, which is far less exciting. But at least they don't have cords that you need to plug in. I would like to say that I rolled my eyes 
when you guys talked about that, but I thought every aspect of that conversation was very interesting. And I told my family rolling, about it. What are you rolling your eyes about? You you rolling your eyes about, I mean, I think we acknowledged up front that these are ridiculously expensive chairs. No, I'm on your side, dude. Relax. You're, but like, you know, like you said, there's that, your quote, which you should probably, if you get a, you know, a copy edited in a way you're happy with, could be put on your grave. You're thinking about, what is it? Nobody cares about this except for me and you and that was a different episode. I know that, uh, but I like that. But I think about that uh, a lot I, with you. We're like, I you say, was, nobody else cares uh, about this but me, but I care but, about this a lot. Close, yeah. close. I believe it was, nobody cares about me, but, but I do care. That's it. But also uh, just that idea that over time, you're like, meh, you know, uh, be visiting my friend in another state. They got a pretty nice chair. I got to make a point of sitting in that. And it's like this whole ongoing process. I know. I did. I sat, I sat in all the chairs. You spend spend time in their houses. You got to you go to Marco's house. You got to listen to his fancy headphones. You got to sit in his chairs. You got to drink his disgusting coffee. Yeah. And you got to, you know, do all the things. I know. I agree. And I, but I'm telling you, God, you're so bad at taking a compliment. You're like worse than Todd. I, I, uh, I thought it was a very good conversation. And I even told about the conversation to my family. when We went out to dinner. Like I told the president. Told the chair conversation? I like, did. Oh, this is great. Yeah. I said, I said, I thought John had a very interesting, and I thought Marco's remark, your friend Marco's remark about the disappearing middle class of hardware products was very interesting. Yeah, I, I think that is true in chairs, but I don't think it's true in televisions. I think there is a thriving Yeah, I probably used, that was television. probably a bad example. But I do know, but I, the, the point, the two little points inside the point that I thought, and if you can't tell, I listen to your programs. When Marco said on the one hand, well, you know, you can get a hundred dollar chair. But like, just, just because you got the two, maybe you said this, if you just, because you got the $250 chair, doesn't mean it's that much nicer. There's just certain components they're charging more for. And by the same token, just cause you blew a wad on the $1,200 chair, like the profit margins on that thing are off the hook. Like I thought that was very thought provoking. Yeah, and, and, and there's all sorts of crap on the $1,200 chair that's just there to make you feel good about spending $1,200 and not there to make it a better chair. I've wondered that about the Aeron, what you said. Like, if we, oh, we've got to put a, put a lot of confusing things on here. Otherwise, people won't feel like they're a pilot yeah, or It's got to be shaped a little bit weirdly. Like, the back of the Embody chair that I'm sitting in right now has all these little, like, little tiny uh, fractal tree arms to support the back so it's flexible. It's like, all right, so you want to have a flexible back, but you don't need all that mechanical complexity back there so that it looks fancy and nice and fractal on the back. You, if you just want to have the back of a piece of furniture that flexes, like just look at the back of any recline. Like you could do this in a way that is not, that doesn't look like a a robotic mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like the, the fact that it looks like a little miniature robot is part style and part to make you feel like I'm buying an expensive thing, right? If it was just, they do spell, send chair, spell chairs, uh, sell chairs that are the opposite where it's like, this chair is made up of two planks of wood. Like <laughs> not that, you know, straightforward, but like very simple, no moving parts, just everything exquisite. That's the other direction. But mm-hmm. you kind of go in the middle where it's like, there's a back, there's a seat and there's some levers connecting them. That doesn't make people feel good about spending twelve hundred dollars, so they sort of overcomplicate it a little bit. Uh, but you know, whatever. I'd like, you know, I, I thought it was time, and so here we are. I'm, I'm sitting in a fancy chair. I might have told you the wrong TV. C7, you said. I thought it was the C7. It might be the E7. E. That's the only difference is the speaker thing i think these all have the same panel as what i'm getting at they, but lg but that does would, have would that, would that explain the difference i'm gonna feel like a real idiot if i told you the wrong tv but would that explain the difference in where the hdmi cables are possibly i gotta go look at what the uh the e7 looks like oled 55 e7p is the one i got you've been telling everybody the wrong model of television mm-hmm. everybody but buster laughing and riding and cornholing 55 inch. Oh, we got to throw this whole episode out. We can't do it. We can't put it out. <laughs> Psych. <laughs>
could totally put this out. We didn't talk about religion. It's fine. <laughs> Give you a Dumbledore clap. So I see see the picture at the side. I still see three HDMI USB on the side and one on the back. Well, I checked my order. What I got was the OLED 55E7P. I swear to God, I thought it was the C7. Does that change anything? Hmm, it makes the back of it black instead of white. It's definitely black instead of white. I figured that was a... Yeah. I think the number of ports looks... Oh, maybe you got two HDMI in the back. I can't... No, no. It's, it's it, on the back HDMI and two USB, and on the side, three HDMI and one USB. It looks so freaking good, man. I mean, I like the 4K, so like we watched some of the... I was kind of... I don't know why. I was kind of surprised there's not more 4K out there while at the same time I'm bemoaning like how close I am to capping out with Comcast. I can't imagine what this month is going to be like. It is pretty magic, though. Like Even watching like The Tick... Which, as Jason Snell points out, at points looks like it was shot in somebody's backyard. Like, the 4K content is pretty amazing. And I will be very happy if they ever put out Game of Thrones in this format. Will that ever happen, John? Will I get to watch Game of Thrones in 4K? I don't know. You you should ask Todd about his uh, insider knowledge of uh, what resolution television shows are shot at. Like, is is, uh, is Game of Thrones shot at 4K? Is it shot at 2K and they can do an upscale version for you? I don't know. I do not share anything I have learned from that channel here. Um but I, I'm surprised sometimes when I talk to my friends who are people who work in the industry, I'm sometimes surprised to learn what kinds of things, what parts of what kinds of things are shot in which formats and not. Isn't it surprising? Meaning, like if you had a friend who was in the industry that made movies, maybe you'd learn that it's kind of surprising sometimes what wasn't shot at all in 4K. Really? That's kind of weird. Yeah. Almost and, seems you know, like a like serial said, problem I, with I, certain I, I, certain yeah. companies not imagining there would be another format. That's it was in the same conversation. And I and I asked like for clarification, like why? Why do they decide to not shoot these at this resolution? And you know, comes they got a bunch of factors. It's just like anything else, it's a business. There's there's trade-offs in terms of time and money. Um, and so they cheap out where they can because they know no one's gonna be able to tell, aha, this scene was shot in 2K, but upscaled to 4K. And yeah. I can tell because, no, you can't tell. The projection is too bad. You're too far away from the screen. You're never going to be able to tell. And so that's a good place for them to save money. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes time to produce the 4K Blu-ray version, they'll just upscale it and you'll be fine. Yeah. But as I pointed out, I think in that same conversation, I just picture like some you know, rich kid shooting his like student film on the world's most... I mean, some YouTubers are like this too. Like, they have like 8K cameras so they can shoot their unboxing video, right? Like they're, right. they're shooting they're shooting video at higher resolution than any Hollywood studio using the most expensive camera money can buy because they're, they make a huge amount of money for the YouTube channel. And they're never going to say, oh, let's just shoot this in 2K because it's cheaper because they don't have all the production concerns. It's just them. They shoot the video in their own little home studio with expensive lights and equipment. And they're like, their production values are essentially, you know, twice as good as live action movies that are coming out because they don't have a, a so somebody in the fast. somebody in like the bedroom studio a bedroom studio is is bigger than the big boys or a basement studio but like the whole point is you can buy an 8k camera and shoot everything in native 8k and buy the world's biggest computer to process it because you're just making a five minute video that you're editing yourself you're not doing like right. two years of, of post-production work with a staff of 50 and a giant pipeline full of assets and rendering and all that other stuff you don't have those same concerns so you can afford to do that you know it's just an inversion of where it used to be where hollywood movies are made with the real cameras and then kids just shot things on super 8 or whatever right 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 the truth bomb that i'll leave you with is that was very surprising to me so i got this and it was a couple days before my 4k apple tv arrived 
you had previously, when you knew what model I was getting, sent me the link to what Marco had discovered, I guess, which is the Artings uh, recommended settings, which I very dutifully set up on the LG apps, basically. So it's one, it's one input, right? It's not all different inputs, mostly. So like if you're running those apps, like I think when you set up, this is going to be our, what's it called? What was the example? Um, not cinema mode, but expert mode. Dark room, expert mode, light room. I was really happy with the way it looked. It really, I mean, I don't, I'm not as particular as y'all are, but then I got, so that was great. And I, that's all I was doing was doing everything. I had everything set up, was doing everything I could do with the LG. And I would occasionally hop over to our previous generation in Apple TV, which was fine, except for not being 4K. And like, you know, it was fine. It looked okay. It was a little blocky. It was all right. But the crazy thing is, but I, I, I started using, believe it or not, the TV apps more and more. I kind of like them, especially because it's one remote for all the things. And it's got that cool uh, lightsaber move. And like, mm-hmm. it's got Apple or it's got Amazon Prime. Yes, at 4K. So it had gotten to where the only thing I didn't have that I really wanted on the, on a day-to-day, excluding things like Apple events, uh, didn't have my movies and TV from Apple purchases. And I didn't have the Hulu TV streaming service. For some reason, that app's not available. Is there a Plex client built on the TV? Yeah. Or can, that you can download? Yeah. Is it any good? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's, um, I haven't had any problem with it at all. I think that I like the Apple TV implementation the best. Well, I kind of like the desktop one the best mostly, but in terms of like the device things, like I don't like all of the like, oh, try to guess stuff I'm going to watch features. I really like having like, okay, here's a row of, Recent TV, here's a row of recent movies, et cetera. But then I'm, I've got to be doing something wrong in the way I've set this up, I have to assume. But I set it up with the Apple 4K TV. It's really pretty. Yeah, the sign-on experience was great. That whole deal with, you know, putting your phone nearby to configure it, it was all great, 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 et cetera. We talked about this on Back to Work. But uh, I think I set it at the right things in the uh, video settings, but it looks like a Zack Snyder movie. Like even when I'm like just kind of rolling around, it doesn't have the pop of um, the LG apps and experience. And I think I might need. It's not ugly. It's not horrible, but it doesn't have that. You, the the UI or the video in your. Yeah, we'll start. Let's, let's start with the UI. The UI. And is that because mm. I think I set it at all the like defaults and like it's automatically doing. I see that on this particular TV, when it pops up with something that's um, HDR, you get a little logo in the upper right-hand corner. That all comes up fine. But on the one hand, like it doesn't really look as pretty as the, to me, as the um, experience. I mean, obviously the Apple experience of click, click, click is mostly pretty good, except for the terrible remote. But it's just weird. I was really looking forward to that 4K Apple TV, but guess what? No 4K YouTube on there, et cetera. And it's just kind of convenient to not have to switch away from the LG app. So I, in a huge reversal from the episode that came out two weeks before this, I'm on board with the LG app family. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it doesn't have yeah. the breadth of stuff that like a, an Amazon Firebox or a, a Roku has. There's not a lot of it's garbage and a lot of it looks kind of hacky, but like for the main four or five apps, it's great. And, and it's got lots of support for lots of nerd stuff for like, you know, the UPnP and like all the... Uh, it's got a cool gallery screensaver of HDR stuff, and like it's pretty good. 
Yeah, there's advantages to being built into the television, uh, even just in terms of uh, latency of the UI, if you want to think of it that way. But also that if anyone was going to have an HDR interface, like if you built into the TV, you know what TV you're going to be displaying it on, mm-hmm. whereas the Apple TV has to be able to be displayed on any television. And, and I would imagine the Apple TV interface is not HDR, so, you know, so it's everything is a little bit lower contrast than it would be if they knew what kind of device they're uh, showing things on. And as for the video itself, you can do these settings from the Artink site or whatever, but to really get things right, you probably have to use a calibration app of some kind to calibrate it just to, to get it right for video. Remind and, me, your advice on that was don't don't shoot it from your iPad. Don't airplay it from your iPad. Uh, if you can avoid it. If you can't avoid it, it's better than nothing. Uh, if you can find sort of a native uh, calibration app that's either fr- that's play- the best thing is it's playing on the source like so if you mm-hmm. want to say I want to calibrate my Blu-ray player if you have a disc playing from your Blu-ray player right. to calibrate it that'll be calibrated for the input from your Blu-ray player because it's coming from the same source okay but, I will find this um, but the thing is correct calibration especially and I don't know what to do about HDR because I've never calibrated a television HDR I have no idea how you're supposed to deal with that but correctly calibrating a non-HDR television is going to produce a screen image that when you're looking at just computer UI or like the interface of the Netflix client seems so does bright. not look like how how you expect. It doesn't it doesn't look like it how it does on your computer monitor. Your computer monitor is not sort of it doesn't color it doesn't have the for, range for and the range it does have is just turned up so it's not it's bright but not white. Right? Yeah, it's going so it's especially if you're used to looking at HDR video, everything's going to look sort of lower contrast and dim and sort of like a haze is over the whole thing. Cuz if you I swear to Christ, it took me from the time I set it up to my family getting home that I was already spoiled on this, which I really did not expect to happen where I was like, "Wow, this this 720p thing I've got it looks okay, but man, it's it's practically milky compared to this other stuff." You really and the HDR just makes such a huge difference. So uh, I think it'll take a while for UIs to catch up, like uh, HDR UIs and calibration for HDR. I don't, I don't know how to deal with that, but presumably there's some way you can you can mess with it. Um, but but yeah, accurate representation of like the what is the Rec 702 or whatever that color space for plain old HD movies, mm-hmm. correctly calibrating that. Uh, that's why the, the ones in the showroom are all set to like vivid or super blaster eyeballs, <laughs> about super saturated. Choose, bright. At one point, you but choose home mode correct. or store mode. There's yeah, and but like the actual color space is way narrower than that, and that's how the movies are supposed to be shown. And so you don't want to watch a movie and like thing that you know the, the 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 blood shouldn't be like Bozo the Clown's hair bright red. It should be more of a burgundy thing because that's how it's supposed to be. Like you just if you want to see the movie the way it was supposed to be shown, you do have to actually calibrate according to the standards that the movie supports. And the same is surely true for HDR. I just don't know how to deal with the different calibration. Uh, you know. To, to calibrate your HDR things, especially since most HDR televisions can't display the full range of the standard supports. Mm-hmm. So if they had a calibration app, they would be, you should see eight different bands of brightness here. And you'd be like, well, I see four. And the, the fourth one is as bright as my thing goes. And so the rest of them just all look that same color. Yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll get one of these TVs eventually and I'll have fun. Is this, is this the, roughly the, the family and range you're thinking about? Yeah, because I mean, you know, it's, it's the, it's the, the best of of a bad lot the other ones are all worse so uh assuming that no other strong entrant in the oled tv thing lg is the the top of the heap for high-end tvs right now um someone else could enter someone else could decide to jump in but for now this is this is it it's like gandhi said about democracy mm-hmm. all the other systems are on t-shirts from 1983 mm-hmm. 
First, they laugh at democracy. Mm-hmm. Then they buy a t-shirt. Mm-hmm.